And welcome to Ghost Divers. This is an anime podcast on the Export Audio Network. I am your co-host, Neve, and I'm joined, as always, by your other co-host, Connor. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, and we, this is like our second full year of the podcast. Yeah. You know? Yeah, when we have a, we've got a new intro, I don't know how to deal with that, you know? 
Yeah. Just said Happy New Year instead of. I think I did that. I think I did that for the last New Year special episode as well. Um, I called it out more than I was doing it, but. I don't remember um, because I was too distracted by. I was thinking about sheep. Yeah. You you are often distracted thinking about sheep. This is just true about you. Yeah, yeah, you know me. Obsessed with sheep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's my thing. Anyway, we. We have a fair amount to get through, especially once we get to Nada. There's there's a lot similar to, to independent people, uh, but worse. We have, yeah, but honestly, worse. I have more that I can talk about here than with independent people. If like, our notes, yeah, our note stock is out of control. Yeah. Um. So as last with last year, I once we're done, uh, when I'm like editing this and stuff, I'm gonna do an edited version of our notes document. Uh, that's just gonna focus on um. I think primarily the Nama stuff that I'll probably link to in the episode description so people can see like all the in-depth notes that we took. Um, We're not going to be able to cover it nearly in that depth. Um, Some of this is me reading this and taking notes as if at some point I want to do a podcast where like every week or two we read like, like maybe it's like every week we read a chapter or every like week or two or month or something we read a a volume or something um i don't know who i would do this with um but like i would love to do like a a specific podcast about slowly rereading nana uh with somebody who's read it before talking through it all of that um and so some of this is like i I was almost taking notes as if i was going to do that podcast but i'm not doing that podcast (laughs) yeah so i'm just gonna throw this out i was thinking today on my drive um because like we'll address this when we actually start talking about Nana. Um I I kind of had a hard time like with my notes taking uh my note taking approach. And it occurred to me as I was driving, like, what we really need to do is we need to have like a podcast where we just go through volume by volume and talk about mm. each of the volumes and what's <laughs> happening in there. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking this like four hours ago. And I was like planning to propose it on the, like to you on this podcast. So yeah, um, and it's a thing of like I want to jump on that like immediately, but also I know that I don't have the time in my life to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I have gonna... four podcasts right now, but like when around the long fire ends, if I'm not like doing something else with M or uh, you know, eventually Puton is gonna end. That's going to go on for a while, yeah. but eventually it will end. That could also be when That's it happens. Um, part of this is I also, I knew that there's a lot going on in the manga. And when we get to the anime, I, it, when I was like then watching more of the anime after having read through all of the manga, cause I, when I did it, I watched the, I started watching the anime and then I read through all of the manga and then I finished the anime. Um, and I was like, I, I feel like I would hate doing like a, a long series where you're watching the anime for the first time and don't know what Nana is. And I can't talk about like big spoiler things that don't even happen in the anime. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, but are still like important thematic things happening in Nana. Cause the, the anime is fairly directly like adapting. So some of it is, we will get to that. It's not going to cover all of the, the manga, but we are going to watch through the anime. We can talk about how they're adapting things, but we'll also be able to take things slower then. Um, then we will be here. Uh, but yeah, then at some point we can do, we can do the, the manga together. Um, yeah. I take it you enjoyed like it. If you're, myself. if you're, 
Yeah. If you're interested in doing a, a podcast where you read through it volume by volume, I, <laughs> I'm i assuming yeah. you enjoyed it, but... I, I um, did. Yeah. It's... um, <laughs> It was... Uh, it's it's really a beautiful bonga, um, and deeply moving, um, and also uh, uh, very rich. Um, yeah, as you know, as indicated by uh, our excessively long <laughs> notes document, um, which like for me, uh, I I like so much of my contribution to this is like incomplete, um, in a way that I know I would have to like spend. I would have to, and I will spend a lot more time to like flush this stuff out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. And yeah, coincidentally, I was just having that same thought. Um, I was going to ask you when you intended to reread it, uh, <laughs> but it sounds like, you know, we'll figure, we'll figure out the time frame on that. Uh, I think the next time I'm going to reread it is when we do the, the anime. I'll probably be reading along okay. like, here are the episodes we covered. Here's the the chapters that match it, and I I might try and read them like concurrent. And then obviously, once we get to the end of the anime, I'll probably just finish rereading the manga at my own pace. Um, but I think that's the next time I'll reread. Um, well, we'll have to talk about that off pod. But um, yeah, yeah, it sounds like I'm I'm already excited. Uh, anyway, do we, do we have any feeling, anything we want to reflect on uh, this year of the podcast? I mean, this is the year I became not a brained. <laughs> yeah. Um, that really changed. Uh, that really changed a lot. Yeah. The, I, I looked it up today. Uh, it was like in January that the, the, um, the Blu-ray for the Nana anime released and, and shipped to me. So I started watching it soon after I got it. Um, and I watched a little bit and I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I should read the manga. And then I, I think I read through the manga pretty quick. Not quite as fast as I read through it uh, for this reread. Um, and then I just haven't shut up about Nana since. So. <laughs> well, I, I will say um, th- this is a great moment because through the entirety of you being Nana-brained, I, vi- I managed to like more or less avoid um knowing anything about nana yeah um which i think for a lot of your other like close friends is has got to be shocking that i i did achieve that um but it wasn't because i wasn't interested it was just because like i'm just i'm just peculiar about like when it's time to engage with something i just like go in fully and like and get like engage with it all the way through um, so I didn't want to get like piecemeal, you know, I, I don't want to get like piecemeal. If it's something I care about and want to like read or watch or whatever, um, I want to just go like by myself and like read it or watch it and just like experience it or consume it or whatever all the way through. Um, and then just like engage after, um, and I knew this was, I knew this was going to happen. So I just like. And, you know, I'm also, I don't look at Twitter and stuff, so that's part of it. Yeah. Um, um, but, but, I yeah, we mostly talk on this podcast and on uh, Putan. If people listen to this podcast in Putan and they listen to, like, the post-ending stuff on this podcast, um, you're probably hearing at, at least, like, 
80 to 90% of our conversations that we have like in depth. We, we text each other some, but not a ton. Um, and we do sometimes talk before we record and after we record, but, um, I mean, a fair amount of that makes it into the podcast. So, um, yeah. Um, but I will say, uh, I think I, I kind of want to like start before we move on to the, um, you know, the rankings and whatnot. I want to really like get us off on a sincere note. Um, I think it's a really beautiful thing how much you love Nana and how much you like care about like me and our relationship enough to engineer <laughs> a circumstance for me to like consume the entirety of Nana so that we can talk about it together and you can share this thing, like one of your most beloved things with me. Yeah. Um, I like no joke, even though it is funny, like no joke. I really, I think that's a a beautiful thing and it's touching to me. Um, Um, I, we're, we're going to do the Nana anime and then we're going to, we're going to do it like new year special. Uh, I don't know if the Nana anime is going to top some of the other ones when we do the like ranking of all the series that we've cut, like all the anime series. Some of that is just the fact that like, I love, I love the anime, but the, the manga is the thing for me. And so like within that, if I'm rating like anime shows, I'm still probably going to put like, uh, there's a few other shows that might go higher, but like in terms of just like things that I like, I, I like Nana, the manga, and then like the the stuff from it more than like ray earth <laughs> yeah uh which is just an, like an important thing to put out there for people who who maybe have somewhat missed how not a brain i am um yeah your love of ray earth is well established so i think that's a good comparison mm. point yeah um anyway, do we do we have any other things to reflect on the year before we get into our ranked lists of the series we've covered um I don't think so. I mean, maybe I'll get sentimental towards the end of the, uh, of the pod and then yeah. we'll go off on that tangent. But for now, I'm just like, we have so much to talk about. I'm, I'm ready to, to rank some stuff. Yeah. Um, sorry, I do have some, some coughs. I'm going to try and edit them out, but maybe not all of them will, will get cut. So, um, in terms of rankings, uh, so this last year I felt like it was pretty straightforward because we were basically just doing our our individual seasons that we did, mm-hmm. um, and this year, especially the Ghost in the Shell season, uh, really threw like a wrench into the works because um, do we rank standalone complex separate from Second Gig, Solid State Society, and both of the movies? Uh, like both of the the uh, Oshi movies, um, that feels wrong. Uh, do we yeah. rank every single thing individually? That's breaking what we did last year, where we grouped together like End of Evangelion and Ava. Uh, yeah. We grouped together, uh, I think, like Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant and Adolescence Lieutenant, that kind of stuff. Um, so we, we talked uh, privately, and then I also talked to other friends on my um, locked Twitter. Um, and I came to the conclusion, I think what feels the best to me is we kind of, uh, there's a few places that we're d- dividing stuff up, but we're also grouping things. 
Um, I think the grouping things is more fun for me because everybody knows that I like the original uh, season of Standalone Complex more than Second Gig. Um, Like, I feel like our feelings on Ghost in the Shell, like the individual pieces, um, are fairly well known. Mm -hmm. And I think it... It's more interesting to be like when I have to cram together standalone complex and second gig and solid state society, where does it end up? So I'm going to run through the, the 11 things that we had to rank, uh, in alphabetical order, um, just so people kind of know how we're grouping it. And then we can, we can go through a list, but, uh, Bacchano, then, uh, ghost in the shell, 1995 and ghost in the shell Two innocence. Uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Second Gig and Solid State Society are then all the third one. Um, the fourth one is Kino's Journey. Uh, fifth is Magic Knight Rayer. Sixth is O8th MS Team. Uh, seventh is Ava and End of Ava. Um, eighth is Paranoia Agent. Do I have the numbers right at this point? I don't know. Ninth is <laughs> uh, Utena, the, the series in the movie. Uh, 10th is Cromartie High School, and then 11th is uh, Serial Experiments Lane. Um, so, uh, I'm going to start, as last year, there's a dishonorable mention, Ghost in the Shell 2017, that movie sucks, it's my least favorite yeah. movie I've ever seen in my entire life. There might be wor- like movies that are objectively worse, but the fact that I care about Ghost in the Shell, and thus will continue to be reminded that this movie exists, makes it the worst movie I've ever seen. So, yeah, and it's it is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, now we have our... We're going to go through our actually actual lists. We'll start at uh, our number 11 and move up. Do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, you can go ahead and go first. Okay. So uh, my number 11 is Bacchano. Um, I really enjoyed doing this this season. Uh, it was very fun to have JC on. Um, I thought that the the show was really funny, uh, especially once I like grokked with it a little bit more so at the beginning i was like really concerned with trying to figure out what it was doing and when i kind of just accepted it as like to me at least this is a funny comedy that's like it's its primary function for me uh there's some idea ideas happening here but none of them are as interesting or as fun as just leaning into it being a a, a comedy that i'm watching uh so like We've only watched bangers on this podcast, aside from Ghost in the Shell 2017. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and poten- so, I mean, 08th MS Team. Yeah. Well, debatably. I will get to it because obviously I have 08th MS Team above Bacchano. Um, but yeah, some of it yeah. is that, like, when I think back on, on Bacchano, there are a few characters I, I enjoyed that I might uh, briefly remember, but nothing, like, the one thing that stands out to me is how funny it is when Chess gets shot in the face. And like I, I think about uh-huh. that scene and laugh about that scene a lot. Uh, but I feel like a lot of that show is like fallen out of my brain. And I think some of it is just how there's so many people in that. Like there's there's such a cast of characters in that show um, that sometimes it was hard to grapple with at the time. I think it would well, be fun to rewatch it at some point or to read the the light novels. I think would also be a lot of fun. But yeah, it was my number yeah. eleven. I, I agree, and I think the the metric. I, I, I do remember last year I had a very rambly and like kind of pointless um, digression about this. But one of the metrics that, that I also use that you're talking about is how much I like think about a thing persistently yeah. after we've watched it. Um, and it's the same for me with Bacchino. Um I think also like the story and the themes are, n- are not 
as compelling to me. Yeah. Um, we like, I, I, I know I tried like very hard to connect with the story and the themes. And I think we did when we covered it. Yeah. But it just wasn't like. I, I don't think it compelling. Care, yeah. I don't think it cares about like it, it's thematic stuff as much as something like Utena does. Yes. Um, right. And that's, that's the counterpoint. Like, yeah. It, it has its own like. Uh, it has its own interest. I think it it is one of the funny. I mean, obviously, uh, Crow High is in here, which is going to rank higher in terms of funny. But it's like one of the funniest series that we've watched, uh, aside from Crow High. I think it's the funniest. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, Utena might be contend for that second spot yeah. as well. Utena is very funny. <laughs> the comedy in Utena is like very underrated. I think mm-hmm. not by us, but yeah, just like. My assumed, like, my imagined, uh, I think some of it is about Utena. I'm, I'm like not gonna rewatch Utena because I want to remember the funny jokes. I am gonna laugh a bunch at the funny jokes and be like, God damn, this is really funny. Uh, but there's so much more that I'm going to for that. Whereas I think part of me going back and rewatching Bacano is just going to like it is me appreciate the comedy more than when I was really trying to like pick apart everything it was doing um when i fell into the mode of oh this is a comedy i'm just going to let myself go a little bit and laugh at it uh i enjoyed it more so um it'd be fun to do that again and again to read the books i want to i want to read the actual uh ronicles or whatever yeah 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 uh was this also your number 11 um i think that the best way to do it will be like you rank them and then i'll like dispute if i don't agree with the ranking so so okay. far, yeah, I I agree. I'm fine with okay. this. Um, okay. Uh, my number ten then is Mobile Suit Gundam, the 08th MS team. Um, okay. I don't know if you're going to dispute this one. Um, no, I I don't think I am. So this has also been the year of me watching a lot of Gundam, um, and so I I went into it being like I I'd seen. Iron Blooded Orphans, which I like more than, like, even at the time that we did OHMS team, I liked Iron Blooded Orphans more. We're doing that soon. Um, I'd seen a couple other, but like mostly I'd seen the OVAs. That that was it. Uh, and like, I, I think I like War in the Pocket more as well, but for some reason I was interested in us tackling OHMS team um, on the podcast. Um, and I think it like that it still holds a certain special place is the, the part where we figured out what the show was. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's fine. There, there's still like characters in it that I appreciate, but especially having watched even more Gundam, I'm like, man, I like four more than I, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but the Xeon girl in this, <laughs> um, I don't even oh, remember um, her name. I, Ina, 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 Ina. Yes. yes. Um, um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I'm with you. It. Yeah. Um. It could have been better. It could have mm. been like a, a top tier, Gundam show. Um. But it just, it isn't. It has some. It has some issues that, again, we we're well documented. Um, yeah. In our coverage. Uh, number nine for me. 
is Serial Experiments Lane. I was surprised Ooh. by this when I did the <laughs> ranking. I love Lane a lot. Um, yeah. I think it's really good. Uh, all these other shows, I think I just like more. I think about more. Um, Lane has interesting things in it, but a lot of it is just the aesthetics and the vibes, and they're like great. They're fucking incredible. Um, there are some interesting ideas, but like uh, doing Paranoia Agent right after Serial Experiments Lane was also kind of a like I I felt like I just watched that and I was like oh I I feel like Paranoia Agent is engaged in similar things, but I find it more interesting and weird to try to like untangle and unpack. Um, and so I think that was also part of why Lane ended up. But this is also we do bangers. That's part of how nine. That's how Lane ends up in, in nine. But what's yeah. your nine? It sounds like maybe it was different for you. Um, I think I think I could put Lane um, above at least Kino's journey. Um, I really enjoyed Kino's journey. I won't go on because you'll you'll talk about it in a second. Um. Well, Kino's journey is a little bit higher for me, but that's a lot of uh, warm memories. So I can put yeah. you in as uh, number nine is Kino's journey for you. I, I think that's I think that's right for me. Um, yeah, I Serial Experiments Lane again, like the first half of it. Um, well, first of all, I'm really proud of our like coverage because I think those are some of our especially the second episode we did. Um, I think that's one of our like best episodes on ghost divers. Um, yeah. And it really, I felt like it really clicked for me at the end. Um, not just like the struggle for me with lane is okay. Yeah. You have like the vibes and like the atmosphere, um, and the kind of like, um, just the like experience of, of watching it or whatever emotional experience. Um, but that's not really a lot to go on for me. And yeah, once I started like figuring out how to respond to it, um, or figuring out how it made sense to me, um, I felt like I was able to access it to, to a much greater degree. Um, it's just the the downfall of Lane to me is that there's just not it's short and like almost underwritten in a way yeah. that is uh unsatisfying. Um certain things when they're like when there's not enough of it or when it's like when it leaves you wanting more, um that is like part of why it works. Uh, but that lane didn't really fall into that category for me. Um, yeah, it felt, it was more like, Oh, I wish, you know, there was like a season two or whatever. Um, so that it could just like do more, um, because I feel like there's meat on the bone there. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the downfall for lane, uh, of lane, like for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So what are you ranking, Lane? Are you ranking that eight then and Kino's Dream is nine? Is that how it worked out? Um Yeah, I Lane and Paranoia Agent are gonna be like neck and neck for me. Okay. Um so they'll probably be like, you know, tied for eighth. Or maybe okay. Lane above Paranoia Agent. 
So okay. I, yeah, let's I can just do this. say yeah. So paranoid agent is uh, eight for you. It's also yeah, eight for and, me. Yeah, and then we can have lane will be seven. Yeah. Okay. Um. So if lane is so that means that we have, we have a tie with paranoid agent and lane in our on our overall rankings. That feels um, right to me. Yeah, and then you gave nine place nine for uh, Kino's Kino. journey. Um. So yeah, my number eight was paranoid agent. Um, I think I like it slightly more than Lane, but this really these could go either way. Um, I do think that uh, there's so many good vibes. Part of it too is there's really good vibes with Lane, but sometimes I watch it and I'm just like, I just want to play Persona Two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, whereas I watch Paranoia Agent, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to watch like Satoshi Kon's other works. Um, I want to watch like perfect blue again and stuff but that's like giving me a slightly different thing than the show itself and i i want to like finish the show so i think some of it is just like paranoid agent grabs me more in the the long term um i think about like specific episodes and things a lot more than lane which uh so much of it falls into this like weird vibe territory um so uh also i was so amused with myself for uh being like, yeah, we're probably not gonna have work cited for Paranoia Agent, and then the second discussion episode, I just come with like a, a huge thing about <laughs> the fascist uh, politics, yeah, specific Japan. type of Japanese fascist politics and everything. Yeah. Um, that was great. And then through the the conversation, I ended up in a slightly less like this is being deeply conservative, even though I think this show is also still a little conservative. Um, I think it is a little bit more critical of it than I first gave it credit. So that was also. Also, I laughed so fucking hard at the five kinds of animals in a way that I can't explain to anybody <laughs> who like wasn't there. I don't uh-huh. even know if people who listened to the the post like ED section and heard the five kinds of animal stuff uh, found it as hilarious as we did. But like, God, five there are five kinds, and then we found out there's a sixth kind of animal. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I yeah. think I'm, presumed I'm, extinct though. Hardest I've ever laughed on this on this show is five kinds of animals. That's a lot. That's saying a lot because yeah. we've we've really we've made each other laugh a lot on this on this podcast. Yeah, um, and on Puton, of course. Um. So my number seven, yours was was what? Uh, pair was Lane. Your number seven was Lane. Yeah. My number seven is uh actually Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, and end of Ava. I'm sure this is going to be higher on your list. We can wait until you get there, maybe. Um, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised you didn't just like completely torpedo Ava. Um. So I yeah I, I I'm fine with it being like seven. I'm not going to get mad. I I feel like people. Because I, I don't I really don't like End of Ava, and at some point I'm going to have to make you watch the rebuild movies on this podcast. We have to watch the the re like rebuild of Ava. Um, I need you to watch those. I need you to talk to me ab- about them. I need to know if you are going to like the final one, even though I fuck I hate it more than End of Evangelion. Uh, wow. And so I like I get. I'm very upset about like end of Ava and then especially some of the stuff in rebuild um, in a way that I think has made people think that I don't like Evangelion. The reason why I get upset at that stuff is that I really, really, really fucking love the TV show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's an incredible show. It's like 
how I got into anime. It was one of the first anime I, you know, one of the first manga I read, uh, one of the first anime I watched, like intentionally going and getting anime and not just watching what was on TV. Um, it has like a very special place in my heart. It's just a lot of the stuff that has come after it, um, has like soured my taste on the overall franchise, even if I still really prize the TV show. So yeah, we, we need um, to, we need to, uh, we should cover the rebuild movies because yeah. I, I still haven't seen them, but um, especially given like <clears throat> all of the work uh, that we did and I, I like, well, it, it was work. Um, it was yeah. like emotional work <laughs> to yes. podcast about Ava. Um, <laughs> I think it's the most like emotionally taxing series we've done. Yeah, um, for sure. It's the one I was like, I was very proud. Like, I still think that the end of Ava episode is one of the best episodes we've ever done. Uh, I still think it's one of the best standalone episodes. If people want to listen to just one episode of the podcast, um, obviously they will have had to watch the show and the movie. But like, if you want one episode, that's like, what is this podcast about? Go listen to the end of Ava episode. Um, and you're, you're going to get the whole conversation there about our feelings about the series and the movie and also the manga and everything. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of emotion in that as well. Uh, I think we did great work. Also, when we were done, I was just like, I am so fucking glad to be done with Evangelion. I like, don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So was I, yeah. um, but I'm ready. Like whenever you're ready, I'm ready yeah. to do the, to the rebuilds, and I think we should cover them um, because it will be an interesting like experience, regardless of um, it. Like I can already tell, you know, you're you're hinting strongly at, at what you think at your like <laughs> read of the rebuild stuff. Yeah. Um. So if I have the same read or if I have a different read, like it's it's going to be interesting, regardless. Yeah. Um, I figure if you will get the itch to do it, you can do it as one of your, uh, selections. Otherwise, are you uh, going to make me do it as like a new year's thing? No, no. So, cause, oh, we no, no, no. I got yeah, you. Never mind. After yeah, yeah. what is that? We're after IBO, we're, we're going to alternate picks and then sometimes slot in guest seasons as well, where the yeah. guest picks something and brings it to us. Um, but, uh, if you ever feel the urge to pick it as one of your picks, you can do it. Otherwise, I'm going to hold on to it until you're like, I want us to do this, like, uh, romance anime or something. And then I'm going to be like, okay. Like, because I feel like in general, you're going to be, I might, I, I'm probably going to be the one more intentionally bringing, like, magical girl stuff or whatever, while you might be hitting more like shonen stuff just knowing our like general tastes in anime um not saying that you don't enjoy shoujo stuff i just think i'm more right. well watched in that uh but like if you're like nozaki kun i'm like okay rebuild i'm doing rebuild yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well hey i'm i'm getting really into to romance stuff lately um yeah so you never know thing, things are shifting all the time over here yeah um but yeah uh, that's or a like haiku we'll do it I'd probably oh, also IQ, do it with like yeah. IQ or so, like a sports anime. Uh, I just yeah. don't want to do it in the middle of like other robot anime or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't think yeah. I like IQ enough to bring it. As, yeah, to do it on Ghost Divers. Um, um, so what? Oh, you did your number seven. So my number six, um, is Kino's Journey. Okay. Uh, so that that places Kino's Journey there. Um, I'll run through our, our final rankings once we do it, but I'm, I'm just sort of live tallying stuff. Um, 
a lot of this is just the fact that this is a deeply sentimental anime to me. Uh, I told the story on the, I think the intro episode, um, about watching this with Emily, who I later married, um, it being like adjacent to other things of me getting like, uh, being able to experiment in a, a safe way with like gender things as well. Uh, all of those like sentimental feelings really pour into what Kino's journey is to me, um, where it's just like a, it's a very emotional series to me in a way that I, I think is sometimes at odds with the tone that it often takes. It's kind of this like, uh, philosophical allegory distance thing. Um, but like that final episode always fucking gets to me, um, in a like very intense way that I, I think is, it's definitely in that episode, but I think is also like strengthened by the emotions that I have around the series. Um, See, I like a lot of it is just sentimentality that's elevating this. Uh, I think if I was trying to be like objective, this would be you know below Evangelion and uh, probably Serial Experiments Lane and Paranoid Agent, but uh, this just holds a very special place in my heart. So, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's valid. Yeah, what's your number six? Um, I think this is so. This is a toss up for me. Between yeah. Crow High and the Ghost in the Shell films. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, once we get into the top six, it, it is, it is yeah. really uh, It's kind difficult. of thrown out here. Yeah. Um, I think I will... God, it's hard. But I think I'm going to leave Crow High at, at number six. Uh, just because, like... It's almost not really fair to have Crow High in the mix here because it's such a different type of show. Yeah. And it doesn't like the metrics that we've adopted to like rank these things are so not like geared to measure Crow High. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if I tweak the metrics slightly, Crow High could be like at the top. Uh, but it just feels appropriate to like have Crow High down here at, at number six for me. Um, because like, do I think about it often? Yes. Every week. Um, and we like started a podcast, like a we started a Crow High podcast. Yeah. Uh, because we both like Crow High so much and, uh, you know, it's meaningful, us meaningful to us in these ways, but, uh, I'm hard pressed to like, just the the like volume of stuff uh like <clears throat> themes and emotions and like story uh that's contained in all of these other in the top five mm -hmm. it's just i can't i can't put crow high above um <laughs> because there's just so much more weight to like a lot to this other these other um <clears throat> series and films yeah um well my number five is the ghost in the shell movies uh ghost in the shell 1995 and ghost mm -hmm. in the shell two innocence um crow high is is above for me uh crow high is four here so okay um crow high went up yeah i think um, i think crow high was was five for for mm -hmm. both of us last year yeah um 
some of this is the fact that we are doing uh, our Cromartie High School podcast now. Um, that is like given it a certain importance in my heart. Um, that's always been there, but like it's just more active in my life right now uh, mm-hmm. because of us doing that podcast. Um, I also just really value it. But yeah, the, the movies are great. Um, I think Innocence is a, a fantastic movie that um, I don't think about that often. Um, I think about the Ghost in the Shell movie more, but it's also very aesthetic to me uh, in a way that there's themes going on there. But I think uh, especially for like what this podcast is, um, obviously I'm ranking the the uh, like shows above it. Um yeah, because you know what? Standalone you're, complex you're right. is really special to me. I'm revising my ranking. I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I think about Ghost in the Show, it's always like standalone complex uh, in second gig. Yeah. It's it's almost never like the films, even though like when I think about the films, it's great, but it's not like with me persistently in the way that Crow High is. So what's your number? Your fi- isn't your number five the the films as well? Yes. Yeah. So I'm revising it to the same as you. Yeah. I mean, they're great fucking movies. Um, I just, I think about, uh, standalone complex. So like, that is what I think about when I think about ghost in the shell usually. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so we're on number four now. Um, Oh, well I did Grimardi high school. I mentioned that. So what's your number four? Uh, so I think, uh, Ava is actually dropping to number four for me okay and i think utena's going up utena's probably going up to two rare earth down to three well i'm spoiling it yeah but uh ava down to four okay um yeah um nothing like my feelings on ava haven't uh haven't really changed um i think Part of the reason I love Ava is because it it interrogates like difficult questions in such like in such a like intense way. Um yeah. And a way that like it it feels honest to me. Um, you know, I'm keeping in mind that like we disagree about important parts, um, but it, it interrogates like very difficult and complex questions about human relationships, uh, in a way that like doesn't, and it doesn't like smooth things over or pull punches. Yeah. Um, and that's like easy to say it's, it's easy to like say that something does that, but in reality, like most things do, um, so that's, I mean, that's what I love about it. Um, even though, like, some of the direction, some of the ways that it's handled is, it gives rise to even more, like, you know, issues. Um, yeah. Or uh, debatable content. Um, but I just think it's it, it truly is, like, a very significant um, and worthwhile series. Um, but I'm dropping it. Um because it doesn't like, I think it exists in like a box for me where it's like yeah. compartmentalized. Um, 
And I do go there, but it's not like diffuse, like in my mind, um, where I'm like thinking of it often. Like I have to go there intentionally. Um, and it like, it, it does like live inside that box. So, um, that's kind of a, like a woo woo way of explaining it, but I guess that's where I am with it right now. So it's number four. Um, okay. I, you said yours, but I, I missed them. So my number three is, is ghost in the shell standalone complex plus second gig plus solid state society. Second gig is part of what's doing the, the ding here, but also I extremely love Utena and Ray earth. Really. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of surprising that standalone complex is still up this high with, uh, the issues that I have with second gig. Um, but like that, that first, um, that first season is just phenomenal. It's one of my favorite seasons of anime. Um, and Solid State Society, I, I enjoy a lot. And I think watching it after second gig helped me a little bit with <laughs> my issues with second gig. Um, even though I don't think they understand how it's about the failures of neoliberalism, it is. And I, <laughs> I love it for that. So, uh-huh. um, yeah. What's your number yeah. three? So Ray Earth? My, yeah, Ray Earth is, is number three for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I love Ray Earth. We, I think we really did it justice in our coverage of it and you spoke a lot about it then. Um, but uh, it's it's a really uh, profound series. I love it because it's so much more than it appears to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really does have a lot of depth. Um and you know the the characters are, are fantastic, and and the stories, um, engrossing and memorable. And um, I don't really have any um, anything negative to say about Ray Earth. Um, yeah, I think it just falls. Well, I think it was three for me last year, but it stays there like on the strength of the other two. Yeah, uh, it's number two for me. Um, but I mean. I, people know I love this. It's it's one of my favorite anime. Uh, in a way that um, I think a lot of people can watch it and and not fully see what I find special about it. But a lot of, especially a lot of stuff with Nova and um, Hikaru just like hits for me really intensely. So um, yeah, that's part of why it's so strong for me. Um, what was what was your number two? Utena. Utena. Or, yeah. Okay. Utena. Um, and then. My number one was Utena, and yours was Standalone Complex. Yep. Um, which gives us our final rankings. Um, Utena just truly Utena's one of the most exceptional. It yeah, it's truly one of the most exceptional anime ever. Um, I think last year I I personally ranked uh, Ray Earth above it. Um, some of that was just like how much I just love uh ray earth and i wanted to give it that primacy at the moment so i really wanted to push for people to to watch it um but i think our our single best like season like uh not like a single episode necessarily but like the season itself uh that we've done is still lieutenant uh, I think yeah. that's my favorite season that we've done. Um, I know lots of people who, I mean, I can look at the numbers. More people have listened to that season than any other season we've done. Um, yeah, and rightfully and, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of that all. is 
a number of these other things. I mean, Ray Earth is not one. So people should go watch Ray Earth and do it. But a number of the stuff we've covered has been covered in some form by Abnormal Mapping. Um, Emma has like been on the record previously that uh, they're probably never going to do um, Utena. And then I think the fact that we did it, it's just like, no, they're just never going to. Um, it's like very special to Emma in a way where they, I think they just don't want to talk about it um, on a podcast like that. Uh, yeah. And now that we've done a you know, I think a really good season about it. Um, yeah. But I think that's also some of it is there's a lot of people who are like, this is, this is now like the place. If you're out, it, listening to these sister networks to, to hear Utena content. So, um, well to add, if, if you choose to listen to our Utena stuff, I hope that we did it justice for you. Um, I, I was really happy with our coverage of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Utena, like, it has everything. Um, it's philosophical, stylish, moving. Um, it has profound themes. Um, the, like, narrative structure is, um, like, uh, experimental uh, and, like, extremely well executed. Uh, the music is amazing. Um, it's just like, it really, there, there's almost nothing that it misses. It's also hilarious. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the greatest anime of all time, especially when you throw adolescence of Utena on there. Um, that gives it like a completeness that just like, yeah. adds that heft, um, to, to make it like, a huge um uh a monolith <laughs> of uh of anime i would say um and then ghost yeah. in the shell like last remark for me um i still have it as one uh just because it's so like ghost in the shell is almost like encyclopedic to me um <laughs> where there- like it just is so vast in the amount of stuff that uh is going on in yeah. uh standalone complex and second gig. And it's like really um with with a couple of like bad flaws. Um other than that, it's really it, it, it like pulls off so much and uh I think it gives it's it has a density that sets it apart. Yeah. I mean, it's also key to our friendship. It's key to this podcast. This podcast is named after Ghost in the Shell for a reason. Um, yeah. More importantly, know. yeah, it's it's a key uh, landmark in our friendship. Um, although I think, like, in a way that um, maybe is not even has not even been fully articulated uh, between us, like yeah. series like Utana and Ray Earth. Um, and Ava, um, are also like important, um, in my mind, like to, to our relationship. Yeah. Um, there's so a part it's, of me, I, I don't know if this would be a disaster, uh, if we do it and then it would just be like the last time that we tried to do it where we already knew all the things that we wanted to say. Uh, but part of me is like, man, when we like hit a 10 year anniversary or something, it'd be fun to just do 
uh, standalone complex again and, and see what we have to talk about. Um, yeah, for sure. As people who have just been podcasting a lot more at that point. I mean, already we've been podcasting a lot more than when we started this podcast and did that series. Um, we should just, we should cover um, Ghost in the Shell on Pondering Pluton. I <laughs> <laughs> have one episode. <laughs> one episode at a time. No, just one episode, like of oh, Pondering Pluton. For just like, of- we have to d- discuss all of Ghost in the Shell. Every, every, like, iteration. <laughs> Well, shall I run through our, our final list here? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so here's our final rankings. Um, I'm not going to do any tiebreakers this time because last time we we called in uh, the official third ghost diver, our special guest star, uh, Autumn, to, to make a, a tiebreaker decision. But the two ties we have here, I, I think um, they were on one of the seasons and then haven't watched the other thing. So <laughs> I'm, I don't think it's a fair tiebreaker in that case. Yeah. Um, so we'll just keep the ties. So here's our here's our list. Uh, at number one, um, Utena and Adolescence of Utena. At number two, we have Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Second Gig and Solid State Society. At number three, we have Magic Knight Ray Earth. Um, tied for number four are both of the Ghost in the Shell movies and then Cromartie High School. Uh, at number six, we have Evangelion and End of Eva. At number seven is Kino's Journey. Tied for number eight is Serial Experiments Lane and Paranoia Agent. Um, and then uh, number 10 is Bakano and 11 is Mobile Suit Gundam 08 the MS team. Is that correct? No, I feel like it's the reverse. We agreed on those. Yeah, I is. just I just put this in wrong. Yeah, so... Uh, but, it, you know, it can go either way with the final yeah. two. Um, um, I still think that having OHMS team above Bakano is feels fair to me because part of what's special about OHMS team is that it's, it is still like when I figure, I feel like we figured out the podcast. So yeah, um, I, I just feel bad for JC because JC was yeah. Bakano so much. Um, I, I hate ranking it last, but something has to be last. And all of these are great. Well, all these are like good and very worthwhile. Yeah. I feel like once uh, we get like other Gundam shows on this, OHMS team might be the bottom for me. Um, right yeah. now, it's like just it being the sole Gundam is like giving it some weight. <laughs> you yeah. know, Even yeah, it has it's to not represent Gundam, Gundam and it's not doing it well. Yeah, it's not doing it well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the like that's the subtext of our aggression towards O8. Uh We're gonna have to like go through this stuff faster. Uh, in the future, like as it goes on, but man, once we do like 0079, I don't know how the fuck I'm gonna rank some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough in the future. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, compared to last year, uh, Utena moved up a slot and Ghost in the Shell moved down. Uh, Ray Earth is is holding strong at number three. Um, we got uh. The, so the Ghost in the Shell movies came in. Uh, they they are stealing a spot here above uh, Evangelion. Um, and Cromartie High School moved up a notch. Um, and then OHMS team is still down there at the bottom. And then yeah. we've got some, we got new ones. But not a lot of the new ones that we watched have, have placed above some of the first ones we did. I, we really started with bangers on this this show. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, to displace. 
I mean, I, I don't know if Utena and Ghost in the Shell are ever going to be displaced. Yeah. No matter what we do at this point. Like, it, it's it's very possible that Utena will just hang out at, like, the top of my list forever. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, well, now it's yeah, time I'm... for the, the OP tournament. We're going we're gonna to try and do this quick. Unless you have final thoughts before we No, I'm good. I, I'm okay. satisfied with I'm satisfied with this ranking. Um, so OP tournament. Uh, for OPs, we're just doing the ones that we watched for. Um, I'm just gonna like hit enter here so that I get that rid of that weird divide in the people listening can't see this. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we've got all the OPs for um, the the stuff that we watch this year. Um, and I think the only one in here that has an alternate OP is uh, Second Gig. Uh, the versions that we watched have, have Rise. I know there's a, a different one. Um, and the different one, I think, also showed... There might be, like, a third one that was used in satellite or, like, ter- terrestrial broadcast or something in Japan. I don't know. OPs for Second Gig gets weird, but we're... I kind of like the main one for, for any of these. If there was one that like appeared for only one episode, um, I didn't include it. That feels mm-hmm. less like a, a real official OP to me. Uh, it's, that's kind of just a special one time. Here's a, f- a fun one for the episode or, you know, a special thing for the episode. Um, so let's run through the list. Uh, in our, our little tournament here, I've given Lane the pass. Uh, Duvet by Boa is just a classic. People love it. Uh, so it, it gets a free pass into the next round. Um, now we have uh, the second gig OP, Rise by Yoko Kano and Ariga. Uh, that is going up against Kino's Journey. Uh, the song is All the Way by Shimokawa Mikuni. I, I think this one might be all the way for me, but... Yeah, I knew we were going to disagree on this. Yeah. This is a strong matchup. Yeah. Um, both of these songs are great. I I prefer Rise. Um, let, me, let me give these a quick re-listen. Okay. Um, let me see if this will load okay. The thing about Rise is every time I hear it, I just... Like, I want the original SAC one. But the, the I'm a soldier, that's like a great start. Yeah. Um let me The thing me I, I love to... the like loose like that like loose drumming. Um that snare is so good. That like loose like breakbeat. Um that just like oh, it's but so, this it's piano. So... Sorry, I'm listening to Kino's journey now. This piano. I know like so Kino's Journey, you know, you already explained. I I just know this OP has a lot of like emotional charge for you when you yeah. open it and you start hearing it. So we'll we'll let this go through, but I want to say like R- Rise really grew on me. At first I hated it and I was like, this is just an inferior attempt um at like the standalone complex OP. Yeah. Um but it really grew on me and I, I think it's a great OP, um, yeah. but out of, out of, uh, you know, respect for the emotional weight of the thing of is Kino, which is also a great song. Yeah. The thing is, I think rise might be a better song, but Kino just like hits me where I live. So we're yeah. going to give it a pass. It's probably going to lose to, to duvet anyway. So <laughs> it can, it yeah. can have this win. <laughs> that might be the, the point where like 
it's like just duvet is just that much better of a song yeah that it has to go through but um next up we have uh bacchano uh, Guns and Roses by Paradise Lunch. Just a ridiculous naming your song Guns and Roses, and it's uh, gun apostrophe s, like yeah. gun is and roses, or plural, like or possessive guns. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, is very funny to me. Uh, yeah. And then Paranoia Agent, uh, you may know Shima Shinin Cohen by uh, Hirasawa Susumu. It's it's Paranoia Agent hands down for me. Oh really? Okay. Um, the the Bacchano like bit with the the last time on is really funny, um, but the the paranoid agent theme is like fucking incredible to me. Um, okay, um, well I, I, I take it you you feel differently. Uh, I like the Bacchano theme because it's just so like it fits the show so well. Um, it just like embodies what the show is like the chaotic, um, you know, the jazz yeah. like conveys the period of the show. Um, or at least like, you know, the prohibition era, um, like America conveys that perfectly. The like frenetic chaotic, like nature of the, the song. Yeah. Like matches so well the, like what Bacchino is narratively. Um, and then also just like tonally, um, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's a good, like ripping jazz tune. Um, I never really got into the paranoia agent OP. Oh, I love it so much. Some of this is just that I have this, like, I, I love Kone Satoshi stuff and he works with, um, Hirasawa Susumu a lot. Um, I think has a very intentional, like this song is intentionally playing up the weird uh like tonal clashing that's happening with it um yeah. the song itself is like uh is very i think is also matching the show in that like there's this uh it, it's very like has that feeling of optimism while talking about like hurricanes and atom bombs and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and this is just like, I think a quality of uh, Hirasawa's music. Um, there is something like kind of manic about it. Uh, there's something oh, yeah. about like the like yodeling almost. Yes. Like it, it feels a, like, it feels like it is like having a breakdown and trying to like laugh through it, uh, which yeah. is so much of what the show is. So I think it also fits really well. Um, Okay. Yeah. No, that's fine. And and also just like, I think uh, so. Jackson of Abnormal Mapping uh, head falls off on Twitter. Uh, has a tweet that's like, uh, trans people exist. Uh, paranoid agent OP. Rawie. Which is just like a a reference to a, a you know. Uh, tweet format that people will do that's like yeah. going to be far more serious um but yeah and i just i think of like all the time all the uh, time it's such a banger op to me okay yeah no that's fine we can paranoia agent will advance then um not not to claim both of these but no you're fine i i would i would fight it harder if i if i thought you were wrong yeah um so now we have Duvet by Boa up against Kino's Journey. Um, 
uh, Lane Duvet by Boa, uh, yeah. and then uh, All the Way by Shimokawa Mikini uh, from Kino's Journey. Uh, we have it's to Lane. give this to Duvet. Yeah, yeah. Um, Emily has the the album the Boa album that this is off of. Uh, I've listened to it many times, like the full album. Duvet mm-hmm. is definitely the best song on it. Um, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good song. Um, yeah, it's a great song. The transition um, towards the end uh, makes it a great yeah. song. Yeah. Um, uh, this is one of, this is an anime theme that I have probably listened to more than most anime th- themes. Like only like Ray Earth might be, challenging this oh and uh karate high school we'll we'll get there Mm -hmm. i i've heard that song so many times and it's not even what we use for the the (laughs) futon theme (laughs) um so uh paranoia agent uh our our winner of last round got a pass through this round because we don't have that many to go through so i had to Mm -hmm. do a number of people getting passes so we now have lane duvet by boa up against paranoia agent uh yumi no shima shinen koen by hirasawa susumu um, I think this is Lane again. Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, and now we finally have to to pit the OP for Serial Experiments Lane up against last year's winner uh, for Sakagake Kramarty High School, June by Yoshida Takaro. This is hard for me. Like, I... I'm going with Kai. I, Don't overthink okay, it. Okay, okay. I was like, I... I kind of want to give the like newcomer like it, its place in the sun, but no. No. Shun by Yoshida Takaro is one of the best songs ever. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah, it's Crow High. Yeah. I mean, Duvet doesn't need our help. Everyone loves that song. <laughs> uh, people should go listen to Shun by Yoshida Takaro. Yes, you should. <laughs> if, It'll make whatever, no matter what, it will make your day better. The entire, I guarantee it. The whole, the whole song. Go find yeah. the entire song. Don't just listen to the the sh- like op short version. Listen to the whole song. It's fantastic. I love it so yeah. much. There's not many um, songs that you can say this for, but I guarantee you, it will make your day better. It's the only anime op I have ever used as a ringtone on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I I'm gonna leave a, a little spot here. People will get to listen to the full song here. So you don't even have to go find it right now. You just slow your podcast app down. I'm giving you a moment. Slow it down to 1x speed. Really listen to the song. Don't speed through it. You know, don't do your your 2x speed or your 1.5 or whatever you normally listen to podcasts on. Give it its place in the sun. Here we go. Okay, 
Okay. ED tournament. We didn't do this last year. I think because you, I found out that you don't watch endings for anime yes. ever. You yeah, watch OPs di- every disease. time and you don't watch EDs ever. Uh, yes. But we're doing it. I'm forcing us to do it now. I, we need to give EDs. I'm, I need it. I need their, I need, Yeah. Yeah. Help so me. We'll, we'll try and go through <laughs> these quick uh, when we can. We'll debate it when, when we feel like it. Um, 
So we have Evangelion, uh, Fly Me to the Moon. Uh, there are many versions of this, uh, but I think the most commonly used one is the the one used in the first episode by Claire. Um, and then there's 08MS Team, 10 Years After, by uh, Yonekiro, or Yonik, Yonekura Chirohiro. I have to need to hit that O early. Um, anyway, uh, Evangelion. Yeah. Yeah. Fly Me to the Moon is fucking iconic. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a great song anyway, but also it's use in Ava is iconic. Uh, okay, second matchup here, we have uh, the first ED from Ray Earth, which is uh, Asue no Yuki by Yoshinari Keiko. Uh, and this is up against uh, Trust Me by B. Kyoran, which is the, the ED for Cromartie High School. Ray Earth. Yep. Ray Earth. Um, the, the ED for Crow High fits the show. It has a big delinquent vibe to it, but it's it's no Ray Earth ED. Um, the first Utena ED, we have uh, Truth by Yumi Luka. This is up against the second Ray Earth ED, Lullaby uh, Yasushiku Dakasete by Honda Minako. This is hard. This is tough. I remember being underwhelmed by the second Ray Earth ED. Yeah, I think this is Utena. Okay. It's... yeah. I do like Lullaby, but I think it's my least favorite of the Ray Earth EDs, and I, I wanna, I wanna put a little bit here for Utena. Um, this well, next I mean, one is also tough. Yeah, I Utena might be going through here too because <laughs> we have Utena ED two. Uh, this is Visual Star Hasegaku. Uh, this is by J A Caesar, uh, who by the way also did the music for a number of. Um, Teriyama Shuji films, including Pastoral to Die in the Country, uh, as well as um, Throw Away Your Books, Rally in the Streets, two of my favorite movies ever. Uh, fucking incredible song. I know lots of people who like the first ED more than the second one. The second one is where it's at for me. Yeah, um, this is the better one, in my yeah. opinion, as well. And then Ray Earth ED3. Uh, this is uh, Itsukai Kakuyaku, or uh, Kagayaku by Yoshinari Keiko. Um, they got Yoshinari Keiko back. I think I like her a little bit more uh, as the ED writer, but I think I have to give this to Visual Star Hisagaku. We got to give I this agree. to Utena as well. I agree. Um, we're gonna have Utena up against itself, but it's I, far, I think we know how that's gonna. Here. Yeah, I think I know how that's gonna go. Uh, now we are we are going to enter into this year's, but I also had to put in. Uh, it's going to have to take out every single one of this year's one. Every single time I'm going to have to think, do I want to give it to the newcomer? But Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, Lithium Flower by Scott Matthew. I fucking love this song. Yeah. <laughs> um, up against Second yeah. Gig, Living Inside the Shell by Yoko Kano. It's, I think it's, li- it's Lithium Flower. It is. Yeah. Every time Living, I think we had a bit on like in the second gig where we were missing lithium flower and i played it instead of the second gig ending and then i played the second gig ending yeah we we had we had at least one bit there might have been yeah. two but yeah the i think the um the second gig one it's just not even close <laughs> living inside the shell it's not even close yeah um okay now we have uh bakano calling by oda kaori uh, versus Kino's Journey, The Beautiful World by Maeda I. I think that this song in particular was written for Kino's Journey. Um, I, I do have to shout out, I love the JRPG vibes of The Beautiful World. It's a really good song. Uh, I do enjoy it. I think I'm going to give this one to Bakano, though. Are you? 
Oh, I, I don't. So. I can't do that. Can, okay. Like, the, the I, I'm on world. the fence. So if you feel strong about the beautiful world, I I'm happy to give it to it. Yeah. No, I I do. Um, the beautiful okay. world is. I mean, that's a full song. Like yeah. That. The the song like goes somewhere. Um, it has parts like. It's just uh, like to me that's such. It's more of an. Uh, it's a more full song. It's more interesting. Yeah. Um, than the Bacchino, uh EV. Um, and now we have uh, Paranoia Agent Maromi's theme. Uh, this is by Hirasawa Susumu uh, versus the, the Lane ED. Uh, this is uh, Toei Sakabi by uh, Nakaido Reichi. I think this is Serial Experiments Lane for me. Yeah, same. The yeah. Maromi's theme is good, but it's just like I've been playing FF9 recently, and it's just so much like walking around town, yeah. Final Fantasy music. It fits for the the ED, like it fits for the aesthetics. It being so soft and dreamy after like how frantic and especially the ending of of Paranoia Asian episodes are like very uh, intense often, and so then to just suddenly have it be like this take a rest moment. Uh, I think works really well for the show. Um, but I like the lane one more. It's, it's a little bit more like weird and groovy. Um, so, uh, that lane is the only one that's going to get a pass through next, uh, the, the next round. So the, the winner of this gets a pass through. Um, so, uh, Evangelion fly me to the moon versus uh the first ray earth ed uh the uh asu e no yuki i think this is i think this is ray earth for me okay i'm with you there yeah i don't really love fly me to the moon that much it's a it's a it's, good it's, it's a, a good it's song a, i like yeah. its place in like i understand why it's iconic in ava as well um but yeah they had to do so many remixes to keep it going you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, different covers and things. Uh, anyway, we have we have both Utana EDs up against each other. Uh, Truth by Yumi Luka versus Virtual Star uh, Hasegaku by J.A. Caesar and Kamiyamaki. This is ED two for me. Virtual yep. Star. Yeah. Um, no question. I know that's controversial in the fandom. A lot of people like ED one more, but we are aligned here, uh, and it's our podcast. So um, now we have Lithium Flower up against <laughs> the beautiful world. So, mm-hmm. uh, standalone complex versus Kino's journey. I think it's lithium flower for me. I don't have to think it's lithium flower. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think lithium flower might take this, this whole thing to, well, right. we'll give it mm-hmm. time, but uh-huh. I think it might, I think it might. Uh-huh. it's got a lot of momentum right now. So Ray earth ED one, uh, Asue no Yuki by Yoshinaru Keiki. Um, ah, Yoshinari Keiko um, versus Virtual Star Hasagaku by J.A. Caesar and Kamiyamaki. This one's Utena. hard for me. I, I I feel okay giving it to Utena. This one's hard for me, though. The, the first Ray Earth ED is really good. Yes, it is. <clears throat> um, I think the Utena music is just like... I love the, the Ray Earth music, um, and I love this, this ED, but... The Otena music is just more, yeah. For, for me, it's more up my alley. Um, 
And then uh, standalone complex lithium flower going up against serial experiment slain. Uh, Toei this is a blowout. This isn't even close. Lithium flower. Yeah, we we got them close. too close in vibes, and lithium flower is so much better for the oh, like, yeah. weird gnarly vibes. Oh yeah, listen to lithium flower, and then listen to Teresa Kb. It's like yeah. Not, now this is hard close. for me. Utena ED two versus lithium flower. This is hard. I think it might be lithium flower, but it this is, is hard. Flower. It is. It is lithium flower. Just, <laughs> lithium just accept flower it. Wins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know it is. Just accept yeah. it. <laughs> She's incredible math. Yeah, it's just like that. Just takes it over the edge. The goofiness of yeah. lithium flower and the the inevitability of it. Like you just you you like. Yeah. that opening like riff it's just so inevitable but in the, a good way the biggest thing about lithium flower is like when you first watch standalone complex like the first five episodes you're like what the fuck what is the going fuck on is <laughs> <laughs> it's just a picture of the major just standing there looking kind of sexy and then this guy singing about like she's incredible math like what the fuck is going it's on so goofy after then, like the like yeah. whatever horrible epi- you know whatever like horrible atrocity you've just seen in the standalone complex episode and then you just but hit a point perfect. where you're like i love this song so much yeah it's such a comfort you just yeah. like yeah it's good i did so okay my disease is i don't watch like i don't listen to eds and stuff but mm. i listen to lithium flower like every time <laughs> that like that's what this is like that's what i mean you just can't yeah you can't stop it you, starts you can't playing and you it. can't stop <laughs> are we gonna are we gonna it uh inflict it on the listeners now or is yeah. it just the ops we're not gonna inflict it on the listeners listeners we're are going bless to enjoy it once again slow down your podcast app really take a moment to listen to lithium flower by Scott Matthews. The entire version. I'm playing out both of these. I'm playing full version. Really listen to it. Enjoy it. She doesn't suck. How is she when she doesn't suck? How is she when she doesn't suck? 
There we go. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna get to Nana now. I will try to do a, a synopsis. I'm going to try and like go through volume by volume, but hit them pretty quick. Uh, if people look at the the notes document that I wrote up, um, I tried to do like uh, a sentence per chapter. There are a couple long, there's like three long chapters that are, are two chapter length, um, volume one, and then at the very end. Um, and for those ones, I, I allowed myself two sentences. And then there's a few points where I cheated just to, to try and get in things that I wanted to say. Um, cause some of these sentences are long. I'm going to try and hit through, uh, these pretty quick. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on volume one, just cause we get the main intro to some characters here. Um, so volume one, uh, is two standalone 
uh, chapters. Uh, they don't have chapter numbers. Um, they're just named after uh, Komatsu Nana and Osaki Nana. I think it's just Nana and Nana are the name of the two chapters, but uh, they're the two different characters. First one's about Komatsu Nana, um, who uh, is dumped by a married man uh, who's 29. She's like a, a teen, I think, at the time, or you know, like about to graduate. Yeah. Um, but a 29-year-old office worker, uh, she kind of always falls in love with men who are older than her. Um, and with the advice of her friend Junko, who's going to show up throughout the the manga um, as sort of a supporter friend and sometimes be more in, or less involved in her life, um, she says you should try to be friends with people before you date them. This is going to be significant to some of my read of what's going on in the manga overall. Uh, but she first tries this out with a boy named Shoji. Um and uh, it's a little bit tumultuous. There's a, a lot of romantic tension between them, but they eventually end up uh, committing to dating when he's moving to Tokyo uh, to start his new life there. Um, and she commits to uh, making a, a long distance relationship work, staying home, saving up money to move to Tokyo herself one day. Um, Osaki Nana is the vocalist for a punk band. Um, named Black Stones or Blast is what usually it's shortened to and what you'll see it as most often. Um, and she's dating the bassist in her band, uh, Ren. Both of them have this kinship of essentially being orphans at this point. Uh, Ren, since he was very small, um, and, uh, you know, Nana was abandoned by her, her mother when she was young, uh, raised by her grandmother and her grandmother has died, um like shortly before she goes to the, the show where she first meets Ren. Um, <clears throat> Ren gets this offer to go play for this band Trap, uh, Trap Nest in Tokyo, and he decides to go. Um, <clears throat> but this means up breaking up the band, uh, and also more significantly, uh, basically choosing to play music for someone else other than Nana, uh, choosing to leave her behind. Um, she could, of course, go with him, but she's too prideful about this. She wants him to only play music for her, basically. Um, and so she determines to become a singer on her own um, rather than follow him and be his dutiful girlfriend. Um, and then uh, sometime later, uh, it's like over a year later, I think, um, determines... You know, she she buys a train ticket herself to go to Tokyo and try and make it on her own. Um, this is, you know, we get two parallel girls' lives. Um, should I just run through the full? I think it's better if I run through the full thing and then we can just talk about the, the series. If yeah. you if you want to do your crime meter for each volume, though. Oh can, yeah, you can do that. Uh, so this one I teared <clears throat> up twice. Uh, both times were were with the Osaki Nana chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I, I'm more deeply connected with like Osaki Nana and her, uh, difficult relationships with family and things like that. <clears throat> Even though I think it manifests in slightly different ways. Uh, there are ways that are very similar. For example, uh, we both have breathing trouble and panic attacks sometimes when we feel like we're being abandoned, uh, because of a, a trauma of neglect. So, <laughs> uh, different neglect, but there, there's a definite kin- kinship there. Um, anyway, volume two, uh, so this is, uh, both of them meet each other on the train to Tokyo. Uh, they're both going to Tokyo at the same time. Uh, Komatsu Nana, uh, who we'll soon know as Hachi, uh, she, um, has the money and decides to move because Shoji's been accepted to art school. Um, so they, they meet on the train, go their separate ways, uh, 
uh, Komatsu Nana kind of gets rebuffed a little bit by Shoji and decides to go look for an apartment. Um, and there, uh, runs into Osaki Nana again, and, uh, they basically decide to become roommates and split rent on this apartment, uh, which is by the way, 707, both of their names mean seven. There's lots of seven puns and Hachi is an eight pun. Um, they go shopping for furniture and things, and in the process, acquire two iconic strawberry glasses. People cannot see it, but I'm holding up one iconic strawberry glass myself as I say this. Um, and uh, this is also where uh, Nana gives uh, Osaki Nana gives Komatsu Nana the name Hachi. Uh, it's based off of Hachiko, which is a famous loyal dog, saying, oh, you're like a, a puppy, basically. Uh, but also it's this eight pun. Um, I think that's the main important thing. We get a little bit of, uh, you know, Hachi kind of ditching Shoji for a new obsession with Nana. We can talk about what we think is going on here. Um, and, uh, sort of Hachi being enamored with Nana's like tabletop concert that she gives. Mm -hmm. Um, I teared up once. I don't remember what it was at, but I teared up once. It was maybe when they bought the strawberry glasses just because I knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> volume three. Uh, so this is, um, Hachi, uh, and Nana basically getting closer. Uh, she finds a, a new bassist for Blast, uh, who's Shin, who, uh, we're going to find out more about, um, but is, uh, very young and is currently lying about his age, um, and has sort of a mysterious past, uh, he ba or uh yeah he joins blast um and hachi wins a kiss from nana for this um also hachi continues to neglect shoji while basically uh going after nana and shoji meets a girl who just happens to be exactly his type uh named sachiko which is funny because uh hachi's invented in her mind this woman named sachiko that's winning his affections uh this is going to go badly um but Instead of paying attention to Shoji, uh, she's basically losing him to Sachiko because she is uh, really focused on Nana for some reason. Um, who, who could say why? Uh, yeah. Yasu also comes, uh, and uh, I think this is when he comes uh, to become to be the drummer, basically, for the band. Um, and various things escalate. Shoji cheats on Hachi, stuff like that. That's going to go into volume four. Um, I didn't cry at all in this one. Volume four. Yeah, too much, too much Shoji. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll talk about Shoji. I, I like Shoji. There's some parts about Shoji I like. I do kind of hate him though. God, I, I don't like know him, if we're but I hate get him. To Shoji. We'll see. Uh, so then we get, uh, so volume four, uh, Hachi decides to, to stay late. Uh, or stay and like surprise Shoji after work. Um, Nana decides to stay and keep her company, but Shin goes off to to sleep with some older woman, which we'll find out a lot more about what's going on there as the the manga goes on. Um, but uh, in the process, uh, discovers that Shoji's been uh unfaithful to her. Uh, they have this like fight and breakup. Um. <clears throat> Nana wants to go for bat to bat for Hachi and is like, you need to fight for your man. And Hachi's like, I don't want him. Um, which is somewhat in the moment feeling, uh, I, I don't want a guy like that. Yeah. I don't want a guy like that. Um, 
Anyway, uh, she seems uh, very, like, honestly suicidal about this. Um, and people are kind of worried about her, but uh, she's still kind of fixated on Nana and also becomes fixated on these tickets that she wins to a tra- uh, trapness show back home. Um and she's trying to invite Nana to go with. Uh, however, she does get very jealous when, uh, like, the most beloved fan of Blast, uh, Misato, <clears throat> uh, shows up. And she kind of gets possessive about it, uh, rebukes uh, Nana for, for kind of hanging out with Misato and not spending time with her. Um, and when Nana leaves, uh, you know, has to do, like, a heartfelt apology and everything. Um we can talk about why is why is Hachi getting really possessive about Nana. <laughs> um, then uh, Hachi learns about Ren's uh, past romantic um, relationship with uh, Ren from from Trap Nana, Nest. Yeah, Nana's yeah, relationship. Nana's with relationship with Ren, um, and uh, on the day of the show, uh, invites Nana to go home to her family. Um, a note here in the the live action Nana, they really, really play this as bringing home your lesbian lover to meet your family, but you're not out about being gay. <laughs> mm. Uh, like very intensely, you know, uh, in a way that I think is even more noticeable than in the manga, but there's some moments in the manga that I think hit on that too. But, um, <laughs> I think that the, the, the li- first live action, like really plays up some of the homoerotic tension. Um, anyway, in the process, uh, Nana ends up opening up more to, to Hachi and they go to the concert. Um, do you want to switch? Up. So uh, you don't have yeah. to do all of that. Yeah, you, you, we can switch over to you doing some. Uh, there's a point where I'll take back over, but I, I could drink some water. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so volume five um, at the Trap Nest show. So Nana um, does agree to go with Hachi to the Trap Nest show. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, there's tension in that decision because um, Nana and Ren, um, there, there's unresolved tension between them. Um after Ren sees Nana in the crowd, uh, Yasu and Hachi help connect the two. Um, and when Nana goes to return the keys to the apartment and Ren's lock, uh, she ends up back together with Ren as boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, cause she originally, she's like, no, no, no I'm not getting back. Um, I'm going to go see him in order to end things. Um, but in fact, uh, he like, um, embraces re- her and everything. he embraces her, yeah. reaches out to her with, uh, with love and um so it goes in a different direction uh however um nana seems conflicted around uh this larger issue uh with uh between her and ren which uh that we will definitely talk about yeah um uh part of partially not wanting her relationship with ren to get in the way of her own success um let's she's conflicted about it uh while hachi begins to wonder if uh She's developing her own feelings for Yasu. I think this is Hachi at this point. Or is is it Hachi thinking that Nana is feeling? Uh, there's a little bit, but then also... Uh, there's a period where Hachi's like has a crush on Yasu. Yeah, I think I, I think, think this, this is, is around it. here where... Yeah. Yeah, she, she's talking to... Because she's gone through this breakup with Shoji, and she's talking to Junko, um, and... Uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? I want to say Kensuke, and I know it's not that. And now I'm stuck on that. Oh, God. I, it's Kyosuke. 
Kyosuke. Yeah, there we go. Um, and they're like, you have like other great guys around you. Uh, don't you have like any feelings for them? Um, and so she's like, maybe it's Nobu, maybe it's Yasu. Kind of fixates on uh, Yasu for a little bit. We'll then go into to Nobu, uh, and then we're also going to get the the main villain of Nana coming up here. I would say, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, when Nana invites Ren into Kumi, um, okay, we need Talk to back to- up here. Um, right, yeah. Uh, the yeah. main villain. Uh, we need to back up here. Uh, con- important context. So Hachi uh, is obsessed with uh, Takumi as a fan of Trap Nest. Takumi is the basis of Trap Nest. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what leads to them. Uh, to her acqu- uh, yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. Uh, to her acquiring the um, concert tickets um, and so on and so forth. Um, so Nana... Uh, wants to do something nice for Hachi um, and uh, knows that she's, you know, broken up with Shoji. uh, And so arranges for uh, Takumi and Ren to come over for a night of Mahjong. Yeah. um, So Hachi can meet Takumi. Um, It's not even like really at that point, like trying to set up uh, Hachi and Takumi. It's just kind of like, uh, like, you, you know, can be you, your you, idol you said thing. you wanted an autograph from Takumi. I'm going to, I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to let you actually meet him and like get the autograph yourself, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, you know, you can meet the, this like idol, um, or this like yeah. celebrity that you're obsessed with. Um, so, uh, with this in the works, Hachi's kind of mulling over her feelings, um, for the host of guys around her. Um, because she's in the process of forming these these very strong relationships um, with uh, Nana's bandmates, um, Nobu and Yasu. Um, and uh, so uh, this is all in the works. Um, she loses her job the next day uh, because she slept in with a hangover uh, and uh, runs into uh, Takumi by chance, um, which turns into... Um, a one night stand. Um, and, uh, she's kind of like having hesitations, um, in the moment, um, before they have sex, but they do have sex. Um, yeah. and so this is kind of a gray, uh, this is kind of a gray area. There, there's um, moments where will... she seems to be feeling regret during the sex. We're going to have a, a far more, uh, intense, um, like a thing that I think is just outright rape later on. Uh, yeah, but there's... this one is a little bit more in this like gray area that I think uh, gender roles enable, I guess I would yeah. say. <laughs> there's, there's three, like I, b- I believe three sex scenes with Hachi and Takumi. And yeah. they like follow this escalating pattern. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but so they have sex um, that, is in a gray area, perhaps like gray, but um, appears to be consensual. Um, although there are like questions, I think per- pervading questions throughout Nana about. Um, One question is like about this. Uh, exactly how consensual can can any sex be between like a a powerful celebrity and a a person who's just like idolizing that person? Right, uh, is exactly. also in the mix here. Um, but then also there's stuff around like Hachi's attitude, uh, Hachi's like 
through society developed ideas about what female sexuality has to be um, that I think is also enabling some of what's happening here. That's yeah. You know, already kind of in a, uh, icky territory. And so has Takumi. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then that leading into more fundamental questions about like consent and ethics and like sexual relationships. Um, yeah. Which are, I, I would say probably one of the, the primary themes of the manga. Yeah. Um, uh, volume six, a month later, Hachi is working as a street promoter and against her own better judgment. Please don't read the full thing. Just. <laughs> oh, just cut through it. Yeah. Just um, cut through it. I, I know I wrote out all this stuff, but I'm like, man, we, we gotta, <laughs> yeah, we gotta move. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Hachi, um, is kind of holding on to Takumi, um, during one of the tours after parties, uh, Ren asks Takumi for an autograph for Hachi and Takumi like reveals that he's had sex with her in this very crass objectifying way. Um, Nobu who at this point is like has feelings for Nana or for Hachi um, like and, and Shin uh, kind of confront Takumi um, at, at which point Takumi is like um, responds by doubling down on his relationship with Hachi to uh, piss Nobu off. Um, uh, which, uh, it starts to, um, catch Nana's attention as well, um, to her dismay. Um, so Takumi and Hachi spend the night together. Um, Nana starts to acknowledge to Yasu that, um, this is a problem for her. Um, and, uh, and then Nobu starts to deal with, um, his own, like, feelings about Hachi and um, his like his own views about women um, that yeah. are being dredged up by this dynamic. Um, later on, uh, Nobu finally uh, confesses uh, his love for Hachi, um, who for her part has, uh, has also um, come to accept that she uh, loves Nobu and is waiting for this. Um, and, uh, so she does debate uh, to a degree, like which man she wants to be with, um, but seems to heavily um, be leaning towards Nobu and eventually does like conclude she wants to be with Nobu. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, meanwhile, Shin and Layla from Trap Nest, um, Layla being the singer of Trap Nest, who will become very important. Um, they uh, begin an illicit relationship, specifically Layla um, pays Shin for sex um, and, uh, Nana decides to spend two weeks living with Ren, um, which, uh, kind of puts Hachi in a compromised position, um, where she's lonely, um, on her own in the midst of this, uh, trying to sort out these feelings. Um, but, uh, she does finally decide she's going to bail on Takumi and be with Nobu. Um, but, uh, Takumi reappears suddenly, um, and so she, it, the, it kind of kicks a can d- down the road. Um, volume seven. Um, can, I, can I do God, this one because I, I I cried yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so hard with uh, like so much of this stuff is significant. It's hard to cut through it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um. So, uh, blast popularity is rising at this point. Um, 
And so Hachi's feeling a little left behind by this. Uh, she continues to sort of go to uh, Takumi. Also, we're continuing to see uh, Reira or Layla and Shin hooking up. Um, then uh, when Nana returns and finds Hachi missing, missing she um, is kind of like, oh, I've been ignoring her. I, I should be paying more attention to Hachi. Uh, seems like things might be getting a little bit better here. Um... Then uh, we're also starting to get some stuff here around uh, Takumi and Layla having uh, some sort of history between each other uh, that's bringing up some jealousy. Um, and uh, we get Hachi and Nobu reuniting. Uh, kind of seems like finally Hachi's going to go with Nobu. Um, however, uh, yeah, and she calls Takumi to break up. Um, she almost gives into his charms, but then she's like, never call me again when, uh, he says that, uh, you know, oh, I hope you're not pregnant. That would be an inconvenience. Um, and so she's like, well, I did it. I broke up with him because I said, never call me again. Um, obviously Takumi does not read it this way. Uh, but she goes to Nobu and is like, let's be happy together. Um, then, uh, you know, let me see, uh, Takumi doesn't consider them broken up, uh, broken up, obviously. Um, but, uh, while this is happening, um, we also get stuff with, with Nana and Nobu, uh, where Nana sort of revealing, uh, this or like making more clear this possessive and controlling side she has of her where, um, she wants Hachi using to, Nobu. yeah, to, to try and keep Hachi in her life. Uh, basically saying, I'm going to give Hachiko free run of my kingdom. Um, I actually cried. I quite. I cried twice here. Um, some of it was like, some of it is knowing where this is going, um, and some of it is also like the the intensity of some of the the feelings happening with uh, Nana towards Hachi and all of this. Um, but also the strawberry cake is a um, thing that that hit for me. So especially mm -hmm. knowing the importance of like uh, the image of the strawberry in this. Um, then volume eight. Uh, so Nana continues to reflect on the strong love that she has for Hachi, uh, but also this issue that she has with motherhood um, because of her, her own abandonment by her own mother. Uh, but she's like, I want to buy Hachi a nice house someday, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, while this is happening, Hachi discovers that she's pregnant. Um, and when uh, Takumi comes to visit because he doesn't think they're broken up. Uh, he figures out that she's pregnant because she has morning sickness. Um, he then does something that's honestly very deeply abusive in terms of he locks himself in her room, calls Nobu steals and Nana. Phone. Yeah, steals her phone, um, calls Nobu and Nana and is like, uh, you know, reveals this. Yeah, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. I'm going to take care of the child as my own. Um, they are kind of upset about what to do with this. Uh, it's a very like upsetting way to learn. Um, and Hachi's also clearly like, uh, she's like nonverbal at points during this. Um, and throughout it, he's like reminding Hachi of all the ways that she will need support as a young mother. And that like, he can give her that support. Um, you know, uh, Nobu, no like Nobu can't because blast isn't signed yeah. or like, they yeah. don't have any money. Yeah, and he he might have to go up on his dream and go back to being like the the uh, um, you know, his family owns an inn and maybe go and do the family business instead of yeah. pursuing his dream. This is like understood by everyone, even though it's not said 
in the moment. This is understood. Yes. Like, yeah. By everybody. Um, anyway, uh, Nana learning this is basically having a trauma response, I think, around, like, her own feelings towards motherhood and, uh, all of that. And so uh, she is unable to go to Hachi in that moment and provide that emotional support. Uh, Nobu does go um, and meets with Hachi while, while Takami is out to get some supplies. Um, but uh, he is, I think like too fixated on this potential infidelity because he doesn't know when did uh, Hachi sleep with Takami? Was it when we were supposedly like dating and you had broken up with him because now he's calling me? on my phone and stuff. Um, and Hachi is basically nonverbal and just says, sorry. Um, and he reads that. I think she's just like reflexively saying, sorry. Um, another thing happening in this that I see in myself as a trauma response. Uh, but he reads it as like, sorry, I was in, uh, you know, unfaithful to you. Um, yeah. She reveals like her reasoning later on and whether that's like rationalization post facto or like, what she's actually thinking at the time is debatable. Yeah. Um, but she's like, it also like not wanting him to like give up on blast. So she's like yeah. engineering like this, him leaving her in this moment, um, like this breakup to a degree. Yeah. That's possibly her, her later rationalization. But yeah, uh, I think a key thing here, I've emphasized the ways that uh, Takumi is like emphasizing himself as the only person able to give her support. Um, in this moment, neither Nana or Nobu are actually really able to give her emotional support. Um, and so Takumi is able to sort of fill that role Swoop in. Um, yeah. and is like the one person who does actually give her emotional support in this moment. Um, but we can talk about the ways that some of that, it feels manipulative um, because we get these other clear uh, things like locking himself in the room. Um, anyway, I feel like there's some volumes where we'll, we'll hit faster, but these are like important volumes, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's volume A. I cried once. Uh, it was during the, the like, um, locking in the room and everything. Uh, him locking himself in the room with her phone and stuff. Um, I'll do volume nine and then I'll pass it back to you. Okay. Um, I want to I do the strawberry glasses breaking because this is... Uh, hits very close to home as, like, multiple things that... Uh, glasses breaking and me having dissociative panic attacks is... Uh, a personal thing uh, hit home for me with this. So um, beginning of volume nine, Takami tells Nana that he and Hachi are getting married. Uh, Hachi continues to be mostly nonverbal and not talking through a lot of this. Um, Hard to read exactly what's going on there. Um, And uh, they go into uh, Hachi's bedroom. um, And basically like uh, in this moment, Takami starts raping Hachi being like, I can't believe you are with another man. Uh, this like very vindictive, possessive, uh, rape of her for, for what she did. Um, with Nana, like in the other room. Yes. With Nana in the other room, uh, Nana can hear that sex is happening, but not necessarily knows the full details of what's happening during that. Uh, and also then, um, accidentally breaks one of the strawberry glasses and then enters into this dissociative panic attack where, uh, she sort of forgets where she is. Um, she has this thought of, she remembers how, uh, you know, how she thought it was really important. Uh, it'd be so sad if one of these broke, um, because then like, 
we'd only have one left and it, the importance is the two of them. And so she like breaks the second one so they can be together, which is like this very uh, trauma response thought process she's having. But like um, a compassion motivated act. Yes. Which is yeah. like, which is like perceived as potentially perceived as like re- resentment or anger. Yeah. Um, and it's also a thing that like, if you're having a trauma response, you might come to this compassion conclusion that isn't actually going to be read that way. Or that if you were thinking more logically, you would not see as compassionate. Um, but yeah, she does that. And then, uh, wakes up the next morning at Ren's place. She basically doesn't remember. She's like, I think I remember one of the glasses breaking and I have a cut on my cheek, but I really don't remember anything else that happened. Um, uh, this is like, uh, the I the uh, knee of cry meter so uh, let out a sob and then it just was like because the the rape starts and I started like I, I there was like a sob and then when the glass broke and everything uh, Nana like having this and not being able to in all at all stop what's happening and instead like having her own horrible trauma response uh, about like being neglected that's when I just like abject crying occurred. Uh, <laughs> objection happened when while i was crying (laughs) (laughs) um anyway um then uh after this uh oh we also get um let me see uh oh Announces plans to marry Hachi. Uh, so Takumi announces plans to marry Hachi. Layla reacts with this by running off to see Yasu uh, and get support from Yasu. Who's her um, ex? Yeah, her ex. Um, Nana buys replacements, uh, a replacement strawberry glass because she doesn't know that both broke, um, and has this plan of like, I'm gonna go win Hachi back. Um, and uh, some of it is like this. There's like a lot of bravado in it. <laughs> I think. Um, and it's a little bit of this like weird controlling manipulative side of her as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, she becomes more erratic. She's having fights with some of her friends about this. Um, she, she goes home to try and talk to Hachi and give the glass and try and make up. Um, and instead she finds this letter addressed to her, um, that's in Hachi's empty room. It's been like fully moved out because Hachi's moved in to, uh, the new apartment cause they're getting married and Takumi moved fast on this. Um, so, uh, yeah, she's in this lavish new apartment, basically living as a kept woman. Um, Nana reads the letter and is crying and then, uh, Ren reads it and is like, this is, you don't have a breakup letter. What you have is more like a love letter. Um, which, uh, I feel like Ren is like the one who's like most accurately from my perspective, seeing like y'all are in love <laughs> like, Yeah, of all the characters is just like calling it out constantly. Yeah. Um, Ren is often the character who, um, just like cuts to the core yeah. of, um, the, like the other person. This happens with, uh, Takumi and, um, volume 20 as well. Yeah. One of their last conversations. Um, God, we have a lot to get through volume 10. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you do this. Let's, let's try and cut fast. Now we've got some big, <clears throat> okay. this is going to be hard though. Um, Hachi's at the new, uh, lavish apartment, um, uh, living with Takumi. Um, but it's also like loaded with security. Um, so Nana goes in disguise. Uh, well, Nana goes, uh, tries to get past security. Um, can't, um, nearly misses Hachi, who's seeing Shin at a nearby cafe. Um, the next day, uh, a news piece on Nana and Ren air on, airs on Channel 7. 
um, which uh, there's a whole like subplot with the paparazzi that I'm not going to go into. Um, It'll become this, more important towards later stuff, but this is kind of the big start of it. Yeah, this is like a big problem for the PR of Blast and Trap Nest. Um, and uh, uh, the, basically the labels like lock them down. Um, but Blast's record label um, is like seizing on the free publicity. It's a real, it's actually revealed that they're like in, uh, they're colluding with the press to generate uh, the paparazzi to do some of this. Um, but uh, they're finally like willing to actually produce a record for blast. Um, and, and uh, Nana is like, Oh, this is my chance. Um, she's kind of like fully in this uh, psychological construct that she has um, around like success and um, like winning Hachi back. Um, beating trap nest, etc. Um, the band heads to a remote camp to practice and work on the album. Um, and uh, Nana like just becomes con- she like rationalizes this um, this choice to not engage with Hachi uh, because she's like, oh well, I'm just going to like you know I'm going to show her my my feelings by like singing and um, succeeding and. I'm going to like sing to her and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but in reality, she's just like choosing not to, um, to actually like reach out and connect with her at this point. Um, and, uh, the Shin and Layla's relationship continues to, to progress. Um, this is like kind of a slow burn that's happening through a lot of these middle volumes with Shin and Layla. Yeah. Um, volume 11, um, so again, things are moving fast with Takumi and Hachi. Um, Takumi meets Hachi's parents. Um, Blast returns from boot camp and uh, takes up residence in the dorms, uh, which is like um, a late, like a label-owned, agency-owned um, dormitory. Um, Nobu then uh, confronts Nana about how, um, like, how I think she's given up, like. I think he's confronting her about how she's given up on Hachi or not reaching out or whatever. Um, and then yeah, but also Nana, about how like he doesn't want to win her back at this point. Like he's right. he's not going to try and have a relationship with her. Yeah, um, with and this conversation is charged with like Nobu is now is refusing like Nana O's manipulation. Like Nana O has stated to him already, like I want to use you to like keep Hachi close to me. Like if she chooses yeah. you, Nobu you're my bandmate and my friend, like, so she'll be with me. Um, and you're going to be like my tool to do this. Um, and Nobu's just like, no, like, um, like she's your friend too. You need to reach out to her. Like, don't just use me, etc. Um, and like the weight of all of this, um, causes Nana to like go into a panic attack. Um, it's not clear immediately that it is a panic attack, but um, it's it it is, um, yeah. And uh, um, another woman in the dorm named Miu, uh, who's an actress, um, kind of steps in and um, like assists uh, with the panic attack. Um, and Nobu and Miu start to like get to know each other. Um, during a uh, a break before live TV appearance of both Blast and Trap Nest, 
Um, Shin goes to secretly hook up with Layla, um, while uh, Nana goes to her room to rest, but encounters Ren instead. Um, again, like in what is con- a continuing pattern, um, Nana like is thinking that they're going to break up, um, but instead, like Ren proposes, um, and they have uh, breath play sex, um, <laughs> which um, is that a term what? you knew existed until this moment? No, I didn't. Um, but now I do. Um, but uh, there's also like subtext to this, um, to this like br- to this breath play sex. Um, yeah. Where um, there's been this whole uh, thing of of like Nana and Ren being like uh, killing you know, each other. Yeah. If if like Dying I die, I'm taking you with me or whatever. Or like if I die, will you die with me? Um, and here we we're getting like this. Uh, slightly different, weird charge to it of like, is Ren yeah. going to kill Nana, uh, intentionally or by accident? Um, this is like so. Yeah, all of this is like sublimated into this like this sex scene. Yeah. Um, but uh, Nana rejects the marriage proposal for now. Um, people, uh, there's like rumors that there's some affair between Takumi and Layla. Um, in, in the background. Um. Nana later on, uh, after reflecting on it, decides to accept Rin's proposal. Um, and uh, Hachi invites Blast to go to the, this fireworks festival, um, but because uh, she kind of she's reaching out to try to reunite and uh, with Nana and the rest. Uh, but on the way to the event, she runs into Shoji at Jackson Hole um, and uh, gets some of this closure finally with Shoji, um, and ends up crying alone on on a park bench. Um, you want me to take over now? Yep. Uh, volume 12. Uh, so this is the first of like the big future time skips. Uh, we're going to get time skips to a future thing. Uh, and we, we like peace and we all get information, but, uh, we kind of quickly learn that the band is broken up. Um, Hachi, uh, has a daughter named Satsuki, um, and, uh, meets up with, uh, her daughter, uh, you know, has her daughter and meets up with uh, Yasushin and Nobu at room 707 to watch the fireworks. Uh, Nana is notably missing. Um, in the present, uh, Nobu sort of chickens out from seeing Hachi at the fireworks festival. Uh, but Hachi eventually goes and meets up with the other members. Um, and uh, they're all in the skies. The disguises are, are fun. Shin's like in drag. Um, uh, also, Nana has long hair, which is going to be key to later future scenes, but she has it in this, uh, as part of the disguise. Um, anyway, uh, you know, it's this nice little moment, but it does. And like, it brings them a little bit closer together, but it doesn't like fully repair things. Um, then, uh, Nana, uh, she also invites Nana to her wedding. Hachi invites Nana to, to her wedding, which hadn't happened yet. Um, and Nana's like, why didn't I get an invite? Um, I'll, I'll, do Enka songs at your, your wedding. Um, anyway, uh, after this invite, she learns from Takumi that their wedding has been postponed because, uh, Ren and Nana are, are getting married. Uh, and so it would be bad for business to have both of like both Takumi and Ren married off at the same time. Um, so they have to postpone this wedding. Um, 
they do go to a uh, joint celebration for uh, Layla and Shin's birthdays. Uh, they share a birthday. Uh, this is going to become so a thing happening with their undercurrent like uh, romance. This idea of like the red string of fate, um, which is a thing that like neither of them really believe in, but then are kind of believing in because of these different connections they have. One of them being the shared birthday. Um, there. Uh, let me see. Um, so uh, Nana and Ren, they do a uh, press conference about their wedding, um, or at least they're preparing for it. Uh, Nana is reminded of her own mother, um, who, unbeknownst to her, is actually living with her two children. Uh, one of them named uh, Uehara Misato, which is the, the same name that we've gotten for the fan Misato, but is a different girl. Um, the conference is successful. Uh, Hachi gets invited to the joint birthday party. Um and uh, kind of worries about if she's going to fit in. Um, and also starting to think about, like, maybe I don't match that much with Takumi as a couple. Um, volume 13. Uh, Takumi forbids Hachi to stay at the party when she finds out. Uh, she ignores this. She's like, you can't tell me not to be here. So another thing that's developed throughout this is... Um, Hachi sort of taking on this like surrogate role of mother to Shin. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. like, you can't like tell me to not come to my son's birthday party basically. Um, so uh, she ignores him, goes see and sees Shin and uh, Nana is thinking about like, what would happen if I uh, ended my relationship with Takumi? Like maybe Nana could actually take care of me uh, now that the band's doing a lot better. Um while this is happening, Nobu has sex with this uh, woman who's been in the dorms, but has not been super important to the plot so far, named Yuri, who's a porn star. Um, we'll get more about this, but some of this is tying into Nobu having these ideas around women as non-sexual beings. And so, like, him almost, like, uh, overcorrecting into immediately going for a porn star. Um, but I think we'll, we can talk about it, but I think there's they have a fairly healthy it. relationship towards the end. Yeah, yeah there's more you- going on there. Yuri's also like pursuing Nobu um and intently. Yeah. Um and Nobu, you know, like wants to to be wanted. Yeah. Um so there's a there's a uh, lot actually with this, but yeah. We also get some interest being expressed between uh Miu and Yasu. I'm trying to very intentionally hit Miu. Uh because yeah. it's, it's a big thing it's that a, most people point. call her Miu. Um because it's easier to say, but that's not her name and most people don't call she her. She doesn't that. like it. Yeah. Um, I think it's only Nobu and Yasu who call her Miyu. Um, then uh, Hachi and Nana reconnect. Uh, Nana gives Hachi the key back to, to room 707, which she had lost. Um, and they start settling in to like spend a night together when Takumi comes, um, takes Hachi away, once again spitefully rapes her. Um, Hachi's recalling this abandonment that she felt when the glasses broke and everything. We sort of get a recall of that scene. Um, I cried a little bit. I think I forgot to put it in here, but uh, I definitely, this hit me a little bit, not as much as the actual scene, but um, then uh, she does return to Nana's room. Um, Nobu's there. uh, And they talk a little bit about their breakup and come to a little bit more of a resolution. I think Um, it's not like clean, but, you know, they talk more about what actually happened. Um, and then, uh, she does resolve to go back to her house with Takumi the next day on, and try at least one more time to make it work. Um, 
Then uh, at home, Hachi uh, begins to remember all the things that made her love Takumi in the first place. Uh, She kind of comes to this conclusion of like, I can survive the sad days when there's happy days as well. Uh, That day with Takumi is going a lot better. Um, We can talk about how cycles of abuse involve like moments of abuse being then uh, counteracted with like good loving moments. Uh, This is part of how abuse works. But anyway, um, it's being depicted here, I think. Um, But uh, some of this is too, she feels like Takumi trusts her enough to tell her about what's going on between Shin and Layla, which up until this point, uh, only Takumi has figured out. Um, he sort of pieced it together by noticing that Shin had the this uh, Vivian Westwood Reckless necklace. Slayer. By the way, we're we're recording this on the day that Vivian Westwood died. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, told me that earlier. Yeah. Rest um, in peace. I'm 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 definitely sad about. It. I saw a tweet about um, you know there there's uh, gay punks dying of AIDS who are sort of up, upset with Vivian Westwood for how she buddied up against a number of royals, but, uh, also she was deeply influential. So I've mixed, you know, I'm sad about it, but I'm also not going to fully, uh, idolize her in this moment. Um, but it definitely did hit of being like, Oh wow. <laughs> the day I'm doing a Nana podcast. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so some of it is, is feeling like, oh, Takumi trusts her enough to, to like clue her in and tell her about what's going on with Shin and, and Layla, this thing that could like destroy both bands if it got out. Um, because Shin is underage, uh, key thing here that I don't know if we've stressed, but, um, I guess it's like 16, which might be legal, technically legal age in, in, uh, Japan, but it's dicey. The, the, it play the series plays it as dicey. Um, there's also like scandal because he's like, we later, I mean, we later find out he's been coerced into like, yeah, he's child prostitution basically. Yeah. He's been, Um, he's been like groomed since he was a child to, to be exactly. That's Um, that's exactly what it is. And Layla is like paying him for sex and technically like, yeah. I mean, at this point they've stopped, but that's, yeah, it starts that way. Um, and also she like resembles the woman who groomed him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot more people in the story need to be taking care of Shin is, is one of my <laughs> things. about yeah. this. Uh, we can talk about, I think why Nana kind of doesn't p- pay as much attention just because she has this, like eh, all childhoods are fucked up from her own childhood. But um, Nana, I think you could have figured it out too. If you were like paying more attention and caring anyway. Um, Blast goes on tour. Uh, Yasu and Miu start growing closer uh, as they're texting. And they arrive in Osaka where the real Uehara mis- uh, Misato, um, which my my phone, because I did this on my phone, kept wanting to autocorrect Nana to Mama, um, which I found very annoying. My phone should know how often <laughs> I type Nana. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> So this goes into the volume 14, the real Uehara Misato, uh, Misato um, encounters the president of the fan club, Shion, who is rumored to be dating Yasu. I think we get confirmed as like kind of an ex. Um, and uh, she gives this letter to go to, to Nana. Um, Nana reads it and is surprised by the name Misato, Uehara, uh, Uehara Misato on it. It's like, oh, what a weird coincidence. Uh, meanwhile, the fake Misato, who we learn uh, is now going by, and this seems to be her real name, uh, or like her original name, uh, Suzuki Mai. 
she applies her position with uh, Blast Agency to take over um, as like their manager. Um, we also see explicit scenes of Takumi cheating on Hachi um, happening here, which has been kind of hinted at, but is ha- it's like with another woman. It's not with Layla. We're going to get right. more into this weird uh, fucked up relationship with Layla and views of her, but um, God, we've got to pick up the pace on this. <laughs> We got so much to get through. I feel I like we're talking. I think we're. I feel like we're talking about some of the stuff happening here as we're doing it, though. This is this, part of the process. I, I'll just say this is why we need to like do the non podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we're going through this, and like, yeah, yeah, this is the only way. But um, continue. Yeah. Uh, Nobu learns that Yuri, uh, Yuri is trying to escape her porn contract. Um, she has like a, a like Yuri is like her her stage name as well. Um, I think I forgot to write down her other name, but like people Asami. continue to call her yeah Asami. People for the most part continue to call her Yuri. Occasionally Nobu calls her Asami, but not always. Um, so, um, but yeah, uh, finds out that she's trying to escape her porn contract, um, and uh, yeah, he has to sort of confront his desire to ignore that side of her work. Um, then uh, Ren and Layla go to the the like wall, the the wave breaking wall where Nana and, and Ren first uh, started dating, uh, with a, a strawberry cake. Uh, strawberries again significant, um, which is also their, their hometown. Yeah, um, and and Ren sort of talks about how he's afraid of his possessiveness that he has towards Nana. Um, it genuinely seems like there is not like a. a romantic or like sexual relationship happening between Ren and Layla throughout the stuff. Um, I don't know if you had a different read, but uh, it seems like he's just like trying to find someone else to confide in like a, a close friend. Um, there, but, there might be, there might be some, but like, yeah. I think mostly no, but yeah, um, but uh, we, we don't what see I any like explicit like, uh, confirmation of that. Yeah. But uh, I misspoke earlier. Ta- Takumi and Layla, they have the same hometown. As Ren and Yasu and and uh, yeah Nana, that's like kind of revealed in this in yeah. this moment. Um. Anyway, uh, Nobu convinces Yuri to go back and complete her contract. Uh, if she sort of goes out of it, it's just going to make things worse. Um, and also like is accepting of her her uh job as a porn star in this moment. Um. Yasu has uh, Miu drive out to get Yuri, um, who has been sort of on the run, uh, but uh, is actually in the same place where where the band is. And so uh, they have breakfast before, um, you know, she she goes to drive Yuri back. Um, Intercut through this, we see um, Yasu and Layla and they're like when they were dating, when they were kids, basically. Yeah. so we're starting to get a little bit more backstory for Yasu, who's a great character. Um, Mai officially starts working, uh, meets with Hachi to catch up. Uh, they sort of talk. And uh, in the final moments of the volume, the paparazzi from Search, which is one of the, the main magazines, delivers the photos of uh, Ren and Layla to Nana as an engagement gift. Um, and they're they're obviously like staging a moment to make it look more intimate where he's just like helping her up. Um Ren's thing of what happened here seems genuine. Um, but the, the photo looks bad. Um, do you want to take over now or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> volume 15, 
um, Takumi uh, manipulates Search uh, in order to quash the Ren and Layla story. Um, uh, but basically, in return, he gives them an expose on his relationship with Hachi. Um, uh, he uh, lies to Hachi about this, about the events, um, and instead just like um, presents it to her as like, oh, well, actually, we got approval to get married after all. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get married. Yeah. And, and they you know, just, they found out it's, you know, it's not that he like did this exchange, like, oh, they just found out that we were in a relationship. So yeah, he kind of just like railroads her along like yeah. without explaining it. Um, but she's, um, you know, she goes along with it. Um, blast returns from tour. Um, it celebrates, uh, my, I'm just going to say my, because, uh, it's, it's easier um, my becoming their manager, um, while the real Misato goes with her friend to a punk club to meet the president of the Blast fan club, um, because the real Misato is a huge uh, Blast fan. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, meanwhile, Nana goes with Shin to see Ren and Hachi, um, and learns from Hachi that uh, Hachi and Takumi are married now. Um, Yasu and Miyu get together. Um, Shin and Layla break up when uh, Layla wants to take a pause on their relationship to avoid paparazzi. Um, she's kind of, Layla has, um, I think, gotten to a point where she, um, Takumi is like working on her, manipulating her. Um, but it actually is a legitimate, like, um, threat to, like, her and the band, uh, both bands. Um, and the paparazzi um, are, like, all over them. Um, so Layla is, like, um, it, they, they kind of break it off. Um, uh, Nana uh, has a panic attack when she thinks about Hachi marrying Takumi. Um, and then yells at Ren, has this big fight with Ren, um, where uh, she's angry about him writing songs for Layla and not for her. Um, which is another key moment in the manga, um, but is um, kind of uh, her sublimating some of these like uh, deeper issues um, that yeah, she has I mean, it, that she has with Ren into like this figure of him writing songs for Layla. Yeah, um, this like trappedness steals everyone I care away. Ren and Hachi, and you know, also yeah. to some degree Yasu. Uh, and I want to like, here. yeah. And I want you to like, I want to possess you, Ren. Like, yeah. I want you to write songs only for me. But like, instead, you like left me to write songs for Layla, um, and so on. Um, Shin uh, uh, cries to Hachi about his breakup. Um, kind of learning after he's learned that that she knows, um, and Nana like still struggling with her feelings about Ren. Um, decides to to stay with him. Uh, volume 16. Um, in the future, we see uh, paparazzi photographer Kurata uh, take photos of a long-haired Nana. Um, but uh, then tells his publisher that it's a false lead and that she's dead. Um, in the present, uh, Nana once again contemplates ending her relationship with Ren. Um, and uh, he confronts her um and kind of uh starts getting to the 
um, the core of, of this issue that they have um, uh, confronting her about her selfish desire to keep everyone for herself. Um, Ren's like, oh, this is overbearing and um, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, uh, you know, she wants Yasu to uh, remain single and loyal to her. She's mad when Yasu goes away. Um, she's mad that Hachi is marrying someone else. Um, so Ren, they kind of have it out. Um, for Hachi's birthday, Nana gives her the replacement strawberry glasses and throws a party for her at room 707. Um, meanwhile, the paparazzi are cooking up um, this big expose on Nana's childhood, um, revealing that you know her mom abandoned her. Um, and uh, it's there is like more subplot about um, Nana's like family and her uh, or like Nana's mother's current family, her other children um, and their relationships and how um, Mai is related and um, the real Misato. Um, but uh, so you know, Mai is kind of trying to prevent um, Nana from seeing the real Musato because Mai doesn't want Nana to be confronted with the reality that her mom is alive and has this whole other life and family. Yeah. And um, also to, to some degree, like figure out the fact that she sort of got obsessed with, um, I mean, we'll find out some of this more information later on, but um, Mai is like related to, this. yeah, is related to like Nana's mother's former lover, um, found this out, felt like proud that as a Blast fan, she knew all of these secrets that not even Nana knew. Um, and that's why she like took the name and everything. I think this gets explained more later on, but I, we might as well just put it out here while yeah. we have this whole line. Um, um So... I think, you know, suffice it to say there's um there's subplot happening here. Um meanwhile, um Hachi goes to Nana's mother's hometown um because uh Hachi has learned about this expose that's um about to be uh published and yeah. um kind of wants to intervene but she just hasn't really thought through how. Um so she wants to go like see Nana's mother. Um, and then, uh, in the Nobuo, uh, bonus chapter, we learned about his past and how he got into playing guitar and became friends with Nana, which is actually, uh, an important bonus chapter. Um, that's very touching, yeah. uh, I think. Um, but we don't need to go into all of that. Um, it, uh, volume 17, um, in the future again, Hachi goes to look after room 707 in the hopes that Nana will one day return with her key. Um, but ends up finding an envelope full of photos of Nana singing in England. Uh, they don't know; she doesn't know it's England in the moment, but they figure it out. Um, in the present, Hachi goes to the Okonomiyaki shop uh, and tries to warn Nana's mother about the article. Um, but Nana's mother, uh, Mizuzu, uh, just completely stonewalls her. Um, then on the train, uh, on the train back, Kurata, who has been following Hachi this entire time. Um, threatens Hachi with a photo of um, Layla, who's actually uh, Ryoko, um, the woman who groomed Shin. Um, but it's this photo of Ryoko and Shin together. Um, and uh, he's leading Hachi to believe that he has this um, this photo of Layla and Shin, uh, and that it, you know he's going to blow this whole thing up. Um, 
and says he'll squash it uh, if she doesn't. Um, the, the synopsis here says if she doesn't interfere with non-article, but really he wants to know like what information she extracted yeah. um, from Nana's mother. Um, and uh, kind of like in passing uh, mentions that Takumi um, used their relationship as a bargaining chip um, to quash the Ren and, and Layla piece. Um, Mai comes clean to Yasu about her connection to Nana, um, why she took on Nana's sister's name, um, which you explained for the previous volume. Um, and Hachi is kind of like trying to think of a way to stop the article, um, but only to find out it's already hit newsstands. Um, Hachi then rushes back from Tokyo to see Nana, um, or, uh, yeah, uh, r- rushes back to Tokyo to see Nana. And decides to stay with her until Ren uh, and, Tuck- and uh, Takumi return from abroad. Um, they're abroad in England recording. Yeah. Um, but Nana uh, seems fairly indifferent to the article. Um, she's kind of taking it in stride. Um, although in a private conversation with Ren later, she uh, she does indicate that um, she's hurt by it, but still um, seems pretty pretty solid. Yeah, um, it's she specifically says that she doesn't like things like that being made public. Like it's like this like I I have this like pain and I just don't want other people to see it is like my issue with it and not necessarily that like my mom's alive or whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um but Hachi uh spends the days with Nana while Yasu has Shion look into what happened to Nana's family. Um cuz now this this expose is hit, so um there's been this, these um horrible consequences for um uh Mizuzu, Nana's mother's family. Um and in London, uh Layla talks about her relationship with Shin to Ren. Um and Takumi reflects on his love for Layla. Um I think that's probably a fair term. Um yeah. but certainly they have a um he reflects on his long and complex history with Layla. Um, yes. um... So, uh, maybe I'll take over and I'll do the last. I'll just finish this out. Go for it. Um, So, in the future, uh, Nana, Shin, Yasu, and Nobu discuss the photos uh, of Nana, try to figure out how to find her in England. Um, And we learn a little bit more about where people ended up. Uh, Nobu's uh, managing a club in his hometown run by his family. So, he did end up going back to the family business in a way. Although, he's focused on, like, a music club. So, he's still got, like, his own interest in there a little bit. Uh, Shin seems to be an actor. Oh, we see him, like, reading a script and things. Um, And uh, Hachi and Takumi um, are still married, but like separated. Uh, mm-hmm. so Takumi is in London with, uh, it seems to be their son, Ren. Uh, I've seen some speculation on the, the internet. Is this like a, someone who Takumi had with some other person, but, um, I, th- I think the implication is that it's, that's like their son as well. Um, yeah. The son that like, that Nana is like pregnant with or yes. that Hachi's pregnant with in the like main story. Yeah. Um, we, we get like this thing at the end because, uh, Ren's going to give a name to, to her children, uh, or like to her child. And he does give the name Satsuki. Um, Takumi wants to name the baby Sachiko, which is another like running joke, but, uh, Ren gives the name, um, 
Satsuki, but there's also a lot that the manga is doing to play up about like she's convinced it's going to be a girl, and so it might be a surprise and it's a boy, but then it would make perfect sense for them to name the boy after Ren because what's going to happen to Ren? Yeah. Um, well, they're like, well, if it's a boy, then Ren will just come up with another name. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, she's in uh, Tokyo with uh, Satsuki and Takami's in uh, London with uh, Ren, their their son, which they also play up for a really long time that uh, you think that when they're talking about Ren, they're talking about like the main character Ren and not their son. But this is where you get the reveal. Um, this will become even more important as it goes on. But uh, in the present, uh, Trapness returns from London. Uh, Nana and Ren spend the night together before Blast then leaves on tour. Um, but then it takes her a turn for the worse when uh, I think it's like the, they haven't even done their first show. Uh, Shin is arrested for marijuana possession, is actually a- arrested uh, in the home of Ryoko. He's like gone back to her. Um, but uh, that part doesn't blow up as much as like the marijuana stuff, the, the drug possession. Um, anyway, they ultimately decide to cancel the tour and put the band on hiatus, uh, and rather than try to replace Shin, which is what, um, Nana wanted to do at first, called up Ren and said, can you play sub in on bass and play bass for us instead? Um, but Ren's like, I wouldn't, I don't want to play bass for, for somebody who's going to like, uh, turn their back on their, their own bandmates like that. Like you should just cancel the tour and support. Like harshly rejects her. Yes. Um, so, uh, in all of this, the president of the company suggests that Nana go solo to keep up momentum. Um, and then once Shin's out of, out of, uh, prison, they can try and get the band going again. Um, they discuss what to do and, uh, Nana decides that she is going to go solo, uh, to make sure that like blast doesn't go bust. Um, but then, um, after that fight that she had with Ren, she decides I'm not going to go back, uh, home to Ren. I'm going to go sleep in room 707. Um, we get this bonus chapter about Takami. I think this is the most significant of the bonus chapters. Um, we get, yeah, we get a lot of the backstory, uh, of Takami. Uh, we sort of learn about his childhood as the son of a chronically sick mother and abusive alcoholic father. Um, we've seen him refer to like, uh, you know, if the dad's bad, the son will be bad too. look at me and stuff like that. Um, he has this like, you know way that he thinks about this fatherhood yeah yeah um but uh we sort of see him uh often acting out he's sort of a womanizing delinquent he smashes windows in the school basically just to be able to do something you know um just like enact some sort of control over his life uh this is the thing that makes you somewhat sympathetic to takami i think but also not in a way that like in any way um vindicates yeah, vindicates or like uh, absolves him of I, I think the ways that he's deeply abusive to people in his life, but uh, especially because we get some of this too. Um, so uh, Layla loves him and and wants to date him, um, but he sort of is forcing her into this position to be the pure innocent like sister type uh, who he's not going to touch. He's not going to uh, have sex with or make out with. Uh, she used to like kiss him, but uh, now he's like stop doing that. Um, he's like withholding. Yeah, he's he's specifically withholding and like uh I think really like forcing her to be this Madonna and then all other women are horse, 
right? Like he, he has this like very Madonna horror, uh, complex around women. And like Layla is the one Madonna and everybody else is sort of a whore to him. And then Hachi gets like, I think a little bit complex in it, in his mind over time. The the relationship does develop, but, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of abuse, like in the foundations of it in a way that, uh, I think they should get a divorce. Um, anyway, especially since they're already living separate. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're already like kind of disrupting the home life for your kids this way. Uh, just fully commit. Anyway, um, volume 19. Uh, so uh, we get a little bit from, um, or I put in the past, but this is like in the present. But I think the, the story is increasingly shifting towards the future at this point. Um, but so in the present, uh, Takumi, who Hachi is considering divorcing, um, and Naoki. Or, or no, this is in the, the future. This is in the future. I, yeah, yeah I, I just totally messed up the, the time thing here. So in the future, uh, uh, Hachi's thinking about divorcing Takumi. Uh, Takumi and Naoki are in England. They are trying to help find the club where Nana was photographed singing. Um, we also see Reira with the young boy, Ren. Um, you know, I, I think is the older brother of Satsuki, but again within the fandom there are debates about this exactly what's the relationships uh here because it's not like ever explicitly stated um in the present uh hachi goes to stay with nana in room 707 uh but does encourage nana to go home to ren and try and make up um they do stay together in room 707 for a while uh and so it's valentine's day uh nana and hachi are still living together um Ren doesn't want to come and get Nana because he's afraid that if he does, that it will actually end for real. Um, there's been so many times where it's like, we're going to see him, we're going to break up and it doesn't happen, but he's, I, he seems convinced that this will be, um, currently he like wants to lay, lie low until he thinks that, uh, it won't be them breaking up. Um, yeah. Hachi's not, also, Nana, Nana for her part is also consumed with this same idea or the same. Yeah. Theory. Um, Hachi is still mad at Takumi, uh, who unbeknownst to her, um, has also finally given in to Layla's desire. Um, they have at least made out, possibly had sex. You don't see the sex scene depicted, but, uh, they are at least doing stuff. Um, and then, uh, when Yasu comes to take Nana back to the dorm, um, and Nana decides to, Hachi decides to go back to her, uh, Shirogane apartment with Takumi. Um, although, uh, then we, we sort of get this directly paralleled with a scene in the future where Hachi says, if Nana finally returns, um, I'm going to leave this Shirogane apartment for good. Um, uh, Takumi and Layla's relationship continue to escalate um, into like a confrontation um, while uh, Ren is struggling to get his drug addiction under control. There's been a little underlying thing of this. Um, I think the depiction of marijuana is kind of funny in this. Um, I I do think as it gets a little bit better as it goes on. Uh, and they also start to include like cocaine and stuff, I think. Uh, the like depiction of it, I mean. Um but yeah, it's very yeah. funny at first it's where it's like, you're drug doing drugs. Work. And then, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit, but I think they're, I think as it goes on, they get a little bit correct of like, yeah, marijuana is not like physically addictive, but there is like, Ren has a, a addictive personality. It's um, often like abused in addition to like yes. other stuff when someone is like having a severe drug addiction problem. Yes. Um, so anyway, like uh, while this is happening, uh, Shin is released on probation, um, uh, 
but uh, has determined to wait until he's older before seeing Layla again. Um, then uh, Takumi gets this call about Ren's addiction, um, but says to Hachi, call Nana to go see him. And then he goes to see Layla instead. Um, and uh, he tells her that Shin uh, said to wait before, uh, you know, wants to wait and then basically like continues to move in on her himself. Um, so a little bit more manipulative stuff happening here. Um, now we get to like the, the two big, there's been stuff here where I'm emotional, but not crying. Uh, we're going to have some more crying soon. Um, volume 20. Uh, Ren gives Hachi the name Satsuki. Uh, also reveals, uh, to Takumi that he knows that Takumi slept with Layla. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Nana and Hachi plan to spend March 5th together. Uh, this is significant because it is Nana's birthday and also the day that they first met. Um, in the future, Nana thinks about buying a ticket to Tokyo for her birthday. Um, so we sort of are getting this like setup of everything's going to come together. Um, then uh, Takumi and Layla are trying to help Ren get clean. Uh, Layla and Takumi uh, get into another fight and she accuses him of raping her. Um, again, we haven't seen the sex scenes, but knowing Takumi, this could be true. Um, but also she's like trying to use it in a, in a way to, to push him a little bit here, I think. Yeah. Um, Ren goes to do drugs in the bathroom um, and... Uh, asks Layla to sing for him, but then says, actually, Nana would get even more mad about this than if I fell asleep in your arms. Um, then, uh, meanwhile, uh, Nana has dreams of uh, the time that Ren first left for Tokyo, uh, and she still doesn't know whether or not she would stay with him. Uh, she's, like, kind of stuck in this moment of ever since he first left to Tokyo of like, do I stay with him or not? Uh, and she's kind of been arrested, I think in that moment. Uh, and this is really getting emphasized here with this dream. Um, Nobu, uh, has seemed to, seems to have grown past a lot of his hangups is like very supportive of Yuri now, uh, in her career. Uh, we get Yasu and Miu, uh, fully consummating the relationship. A lot of stuff is like resolving here, uh, plot wise, um, meanwhile, Layla decides to stop singing. Uh, this is specifically, she wants Ren to get clean. And so she does this. The media will focus, focus on her being this like prima donna saying, I'm not going to sing anymore. Um, and it will sort of, uh, redirect attention a little bit so that Ren can focus on taking some time to get clean. And it will, her doing this will explain why the band's not doing music while he's like in this, uh, rehab, basically. Um, She's it doesn't seem like he's going to go like... to rehab, but. Yeah, yeah, and also to get a, back at Takumi. Like, punish like. Takumi, yeah. Yeah. Um, Takumi returns home to Hachi in a depressive state uh, because of this. Um, uh, Hachi, in that moment, decides to stay with Takumi rather than going to see Nana for their anniversary. Um, speaking as someone who also has issues with childhood neglect, uh, fully understand how Nana is very heartbroken about this, that uh, Hachi's chosen to do something else, even if it fully makes sense. That's uh, how trauma works. Anyway, uh, in the future, uh, we get this thing of her determining that she can't live without Hachi anymore. Um, a lot of stuff in the works towards towards a like, resolution here. Uh, we get uh, Karada telling Nana's mother where to find her daughter Misato uh, in exchange for telling him the reason why she abandoned Nana. Um, and she says, it's simple. I just wanted to be with the man that I loved and he hated kids. Um, and, uh, 
then her son convinces her that she needs to be the one to go get her daughter back, that she actually has to like step up and stop running away, uh, which is a, a pattern that we also see with Nala, uh, is trying to run away from issues rather than confront them in this way. Um, meanwhile, uh, Misato and Shion, like Shion is basically uh, watching over Misato right now until her mom comes to pick her up. Um, and they talk about what does it mean to love someone? These like conflicting ideas. Uh, we get a lot of themes of Nana happening in this conversation. Uh, on one hand, to possess someone fully is like a, uh, an expression of love, but it can also be like this kind of destructive thing. On the other hand, letting them go and to be happy pursuing other things uh, without wanting anything in return is this other form of love, but it's a form of love that is like not always fulfilling for you. Um and so they they're talking about this and Xi'an's obviously reflecting on her choice to to sort of uh, support Yasu from afar. Um, uh, finally, we get uh, Ren zooming off in his car on the winter streets to tell Layla not to stop singing. Um, and then he's going to go to Nana and finally try to get clean. Um, but his car careens off the road, crashes into a building, um, and he dies. And we, we actually get that. And we've gotten comparisons of Nana to cats before, but we get sort of a cat running across the, the top of the building when the crash happens. Um, and then you briefly see like Nana there, um, which is a, a powerful image. Um, this last one, I don't have a lot of synopsis because uh, I've seen lots of people complain that not a lot happens in volume 21. I think volume 21 is exceptional. I think it is incredibly important to, in the aftermath of Ren's death, have things slow down in terms of like plot progressing and just have all of Nana's friends like mobilize. Um, you see the people who can step up in that moment to do things like plan a funeral, which just takes work. Like, uh, Yasu and also Takami to some extent and Miyu are like these people who what they can do is they can like um, do the work that needs to be done in this time while uh, Hachi and like other people can provide this like emotional support that like different people take on these different roles. Um, yeah, it's you feel and see like the full strength of all of these relationships. Yeah. Um, and also just to like, to, to provide this like moment for characters to just grieve for like an entire volume about yeah. Ren being dead. Um, I think the people who say that like nothing happens in this volume, the plot should progress is like, the, what are the like most key characters in this manga what you, just like, died? What are you like, reading? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you reading this for? Like, yeah. This is exactly um, like, what is like one of the primary things that's so powerful and uh, like about Nana and like one of the core traits of the narrative style and like what it's doing. Yeah. Is like developing these like relationships and like extreme detail and nuance. Yeah. And then, and then showing them all come together in this way where, um, again, even, even like Takumi is prov providing this necessary role. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's like different ways of caring for one another. Yes. Um, what, what's also interesting about volume 21 to me is this feels like the start of the final arc. 
Um, yes. So the the manga at this point, there there are additional uncollected chapters. Um, it's almost enough for a volume, but not quite. And I understand why they have not volumized it yet. Um, but uh, it's actually sad as you're reading, you get these little notes uh, towards the end where uh, Yazawa Ai starts talking about, oh, like these health problems she's, she's having and going to see the doctor. Um, pretty soon... Uh, as she's basically writing what, what would be volume 22, um, she has some sort of health incident um, and really has not been able to sit down and like draw a chapter since. Um, she's done a few short like Junko, uh, Junko's like little side things. Junko's place. Yeah, Junko's place kind of things. I think there's been like two of them. Um, I haven't been able to find them, but um, I know she did a couple of those. And then the all-time best, um, she did some new illustrations for them. Um, but yeah, even in like an interview, she talks about like, she really wants to finish this. Um, and it's just very hard for her to like sit down and do it. Um, I, I hope that like, I don't want her to sit there and destroy your health to finish on. Yeah. Um, I hope that knowing how manga works, she probably had assistance. I hope that she will reach a point where she will either determine that she is healthy enough that she can work on it again, even if it's slowly. And even if she has to speed up the pacing of stuff compared to how she wanted it to be, I hope that she can finish it or that she will recognize that she is not going to be able to, that she has to give up. Um, I think this dream that she has of finishing it someday, um, and just like, give the pieces that she has or like her assistance or something. Yeah. To, to have far less like direct input, but to be like, here are the plot points. Here are the things to do. Here are people who work with me, who I can, I can trust to see this through. Um, even if it's after I, I die, um, you know, to, to see through yeah. some of it, but, um, I, I would think- love to see it finish, but I also, this is like one of the most important, works for me um and i want the person who creates it to not die at the desk drawing it so yeah Um, i i can for what it's worth i can see why she has not done that yet mm -hmm. um because i think it would be very hard for like someone else to um to write this story um Just because, like, Yazawa is, like, she's a writer of, of like, really amazing psychological depth. Yeah. Um, and that is, like, the spirit, so much of the spirit of this work is, like, the immense psychological depth that, that she achieves. Um, and that, like, drives this, this story. Yeah. Um, so like in any given scene, especially in these later volumes, like took me a very long time to get through these because in any given scene, there is so much like weight to like all of these interactions. Yeah. There's so many like layers of like emotion and like psychological nuance. Um, like in in all of these uh like characterizations that are yeah. just like there's so much going on at a given moment that would be so hard to explain to somebody else to like have them do it on your behalf 
Like, oh, yeah. you know, here's like the 20 different layers of like emotion <laughs> that are happening right now. Um, so I can see why I, I don't think it's impossible. Um, but the person who does it would have to be like an extremely perceptive and dedicated like reader of yeah. the manga. Um, and also like a very, very good, um, like probably a great like artist himself. Yeah. Um, um, so. anyway, my, my last knee of cry meter is, uh, in volume 21 abject crying at the end of chapter 78. And then again, in the middle of uh, chapter 80, um, I'll anyway. let you, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I guess the, I mean, I have lots of thoughts about this, but one of the things that I wanted to, I guess I want to like say at the very beginning, I have some sense that you liked this, but I, I want like, a just a, a more clear, concise, like, uh, how did this hit you? Like what, what, uh, what connected with you the most? Like, how did you find, how did you enjoy this overall beyond just you reading something that, you know, is very special to me? Um, yeah, well that, um, that was a big part of it. Um, I think, so I, I texted you and I told early on when I was reading volume one (laughs) and I told you there was a key moment where like, uh, I like, felt viscerally like what this manga like was going to be. Um, and that was the moment that I was like hooked. Um, I think it was a pretty, like, I liked it more as it like steadily as it went on. Um, but the moment that I'm talking about is the, um, I'm pretty sure it's and it is in volume one, um, where, uh, Hachi has like is kind of ruminating about Asano. Um, and there's that cutaway where she's like, don't touch me. You don't love me. There's like an, she has like that cutaway, like moment out, like outburst. Yeah. Um, and that was a a moment that like really, uh, broke through for me emotionally where I got the sense of the, like, psychological and emotional depth um that this manga was going to like reach to um i know this isn't a very concise answer i think at like at turns it um it was very comforting um it was um i found it like very insightful um i feel like i changed um like reading this um not in some seismic way um but i do feel like um i feel like i grew like as a person um over the course of like reading nana um and there's like other stuff going on in my life as well um but i think like seeing the uh the way that it like really humanely 
and earnestly looks at people um, and looks at like the way that people need and also the way that people like care for one another um, people's different ways of caring for one another um, and uh, the way that it like values and conveys the like depth of human relationships um, and how much like significance they hold, how precious they are. Um, I, I felt was like really, um, it was really touching um, and moving. Um, so like emotionally, uh, it was a really, um, it made me really happy to read it, even though, you know, there's aspects of it that are really disturbing and tragic. Um, I was really happy to, to read it. Um, and then I also appreciate it as like, a, a great work of art. Um, and, uh, I think the, again, I've said a couple of times, the psychological depth of the writing is really, um, amazing. Um, yeah. the, le- the level of like nuance and depth with such a wide range of characters um, in and of itself is really um, is really notable and uh, like um, invigorating to, to read. Um, but the thing that is re- really even more significant for me um, is the extreme humaneness um, of the, the manga. Um, it's just incredibly humane, um, in every way. And that like deep sense of humanity is, um, is like the, the wellspring for that psychological insight. So it's not like a distance or cold or like, um, clinical, um, psycho psychological, um, investigation. Um, it's, it's always like, uh, invigorated with this like tender, um, humanity, um, which I I think like allows the, um, the depth of the characterization to go even further. Um, and, uh, because you as the, like, um, it, you as the, um, reader like can connect more deeply um and it uh i think a shorter way of saying this is that it like uh it incites like empathy in in the reader um in a way that is really um profound um so i mean i have a lot more to say (laughs) about it but like that's just my quick like the summary of my experience reading it yeah, I mean, we can we can talk about uh, talk to me more later. I don't want to start immediately on him, but like uh, off of your last point there, uh, to make a comparison to our last New Year special, I think there there's a similarity, and maybe you can see why I I love both independent people and this so much. Of uh, Takumi is kind of this uh, Biarter figure in terms of like the the work views him as like wrong and abusive and uh like kind of a terrible like 
person. Yeah. Um, but also like never loses sight of the humanity, never loses sight of the, the reasons that he is like that um, without ever like saying that these reasons excuse uh, his behaviors and, and who he is. Absolutely. Um, but it, it's, it's pr- still like deeply aware of like, even as he is culpable for uh, the things that he does against other people, like the, the way that he himself is being like victimized by his systems, um, the way that he is like, uh, both of these characters are, you know, uh, Biarter and Takami are like struggling with um, their place in society and the expectations they have and uh, the, the limitations of like their own, the way that they were raised or the, the environment that they exist in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, we don't need to go fully into Takumi, but, um, yeah, it, it is, a, it's a profoundly empathetic, like, portrayal of, Taku- of Takumi, even as he's, like, doing so many monstrous things. Yeah. And he's um, just the, the villain of this. If, if there is a villain in, in this, uh, manga, it is him. Yeah. Um, it would have to be. Um, in a way that, like, I think Shoji is kind of sh- shitty, but, um, like, he does just uh, cheat on Hachi, but also I think uh, he's less villainous and like he is being neglected by Hachi um, as Hachi is like sort of obsessing over Nana and everything. Yeah, um, Shoji is like a 20 year old guy who's like kind of dumb. Yeah. And, like not in the same way that Hachi is like not able to articulate like her needs and wants um, or like, you know, like connect and like enough with those of others to like make that work. Shoji yeah. is like the same way. Um, he's not like engaging in villainous <laughs> behavior. Um, where like Takumi is, Takumi is like essentially like, you know, this is, this is a, a debatable like, construct but takumi is essentially like a sociopath yeah um he is like um one of the key components of this character that is um indicated multiple times is like his inability um i I guess you could say unwillingness but i i think it's an inability to like actually feel empathy um and i think the manga um especially given the theme, like the core themes that I was talking about um, in my summary, I think the manga um, portrays the tragedy of that. The just a- like absolute tragedy um, of that lack in Takumi. Um, yeah. And uh, so, so yeah. Um, Takumi is a great uh, example for sure. Um, but yeah, I love the um, uh, just the richness of the characterization in the story. Um, I, I reached a point. I mean, I, I you're 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 obviously reading it now because <laughs> you referenced it, but I actually struggled with my note taking for this um, because at various points I was just like really into it. Um, or like I was reading through volumes and I was like having trouble 
um, translating like in ideas immediately into like little into notes um, that I could do like volume volume by volume like oh in this volume this this volume that yeah um and so i just gave up at a certain point at like volume seven i just gave up and i was like i'm gonna just go at the end um whenever this starts to make sense to me which i um like big picture stuff starts making sense to me which i have faith that it will um i'm gonna go back and do all my notes and then Around, like, volume 18, I just, like, I can't remember which scene it was, but there were certain scenes where I just, like, paused, and I was, like, uh, like, these two characters, like, it just completely clicked for me, like, the whole relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole arc, like, between these two characters, um, and I just have to, like, write it out. So I ended up writing out, like... Um, I just sat there for like hours trying to write out like essayistic, <laughs> um, cause that's just, you know, how it made sense. Like it all just came together in a moment. Um, yeah. so I have these like, um, they're not like at fully fleshed out, but I just have these blocks of text that you're looking at, um, where I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, you know, there's like six different uh like arcs at play here with like Nana O and Ren, for instance. Yeah. Um but it's all like anchored in this like the other problem was like so much of the the stuff going on in the manga is like anchored in this deep, deep character development. Um and so it was hard for me to be like, well, I don't want to just talk about like the characters. I want to talk about like the big picture themes. Um, but I had to like accept that the way that it made sense to me was like anchoring everything in, in these relate in these characters and these relationships. Um, and I think that that happened because like that's kind of how the manga is working. Yeah. Yeah, part of why I love this a lot is well, and this is a, this is a thing I talk about sometimes is that like, um, I don't watch movies for characters. Um, I mean, sometimes there might be like a fun guy in a movie, you know, yeah. um, but it, it it is like aesthetics, it is images, it is sounds, it is uh, motion, it is like uh, how things are cut together. Like this is all the stuff that I I'm. Cl- cluing into in a movie and characters often have to be somewhat gestural. Um, even you can have fairly well-developed characters in a movie, but compared to a longer form work, uh, you still just cannot give it the same amount of life that you can in something like this. Uh, the, the live action movies, I think have some fun moments in them. Uh, but they do have to focus more, I think sometimes on what are some thematic elements. Uh, and as also, they're the weakest of the Nana stuff that I've watched. Um, even the as live action. Yeah. Even as the, the live action movies are the, uh, the first one is, is perhaps the most like explicitly gay, <laughs> which is still, it's still like vague, but um, yeah, I, I think one of the big things though, that like really hit with me, uh, with Nana is this is a thing if people go and listen to like especially the Ray Earth episodes um, I talk a lot about like 
uh, queerness in, in plant works and, and in Ray Earth in particular, um, and how Ray Earth kind of uh, banks on this idea that like when you talk about love, you can be ambiguous. You can a love is a word that can mean like families and friendships and also romantic things. Um, and so they can have a character who's like, says like, Oh, I love all of you um, in a way to like indirectly talk about queerness to indirectly talk about like uh, polyamorous things and stuff like that. Um, all of that is sort of, I think contained in Ray earth. Um, and you get with like, uh, Hikaru and Nova, you would also get this like sort of tension about like uh, fears of being rejected or uh, things like that. Um, and all of those are things that I connected with. And then um, I read, I a long time ago, I read like bits and pieces of Nana um, in Shoujo Beat, but in like a very out of order way where when I reread it, there's a lot of stuff that I did remember. I remembered like, oh, uh, Hachi has a kid named Satsuki. Like there's like these different things that uh, I remembered that that Ren died because that was a big deal. Um, and so there's the stuff that I knew the first time that I that I read through the manga all the way through. Uh, but also like that bits and pieces didn't fully let me always latch on to uh because there is this like depth of that you're talking about of the, the psychology and the, um, you know, emotions and uh, like relationships and everything. And it, it is like very rich and deep. And when you're kind of reading it piecemeal and not really following along directly, I wasn't like subscribed to Shoujo B. I was just sometimes reading it in borders or whatever. Um, yeah. I was sort of missing some of that depth or, uh, was not fully able to like clue in on it all the time because sure. sometimes it, it, it builds. is. Yeah, it, it builds and also sometimes things are, are gestured at in a way that uh, if you're reading it very superficially or, uh, you know, not, not as focused or things, I think can be easy to miss sometimes. Um, so a lot of it became more impactful. But the other thing that, that hit me is... Um, the, so like Nana is a, a manga that is sometimes talked about as being Yuri baiting, uh, as this thing that like keeps like suggesting this relationship between Nana and Hachi, that they could be like lesbian lovers, but never consummates it. Uh, you know, they, they never like start dating. Um, they never like actually have sex. Yes. Um, the they never start dating might be more ambiguous, but they don't like definitively say that they're girlfriends or something. In, in that way, even as they will sometimes say, like, I felt like a boy falling in love with the first time or for the first time, or uh, you feel like more like a boyfriend. I don't need a boyfriend because I have you like these words right. come in. But in ways or like, why always... don't you become the father? Like, yes. Says yeah. Nana, uh, um, which is all of this is like in the mix and is complicated. And um, but I think that Nana as a manga is is very, very intentionally looking at this thing that exists in... And I, I'm talking about Rayeth because it's special to me and also because we do it... We did it on the podcast so people can go listen to this, those episodes if they haven't. Um, but this is a thing that recurs in a lot of uh, older, like, shoujo stuff that, that sometimes gets labeled now as Yuri baiting, but it is actually sometimes talking indirectly about... Uh, homosexual or like queer desires. Um, but in a way that when you're making an anime, you can't always be explicit about, especially if you're trying to get it on, like you're not doing like an OVA or a late night thing. Um, and I think one of the frustrations that people have around 
uh, Nana is that this is coming at a time when I think there was more of a push towards like explicit mainstream Yuri content. Um, I also read this week or like this year, um, Kaze-san, which is a, a delightful, very fluffy slice, slice of life, uh, little romance manga about, um, these two girls who are in love and they're like clearly within the manga, they're dating, they are girlfriends. It's all explicit. Um, I, I think this is like an extreme example, but it, it's so like light and fluffy. Like the stakes are so low. The, the, I'm not saying there's no emotionality or there's no like character psychology happening, but it is meant to be something that you read and is going to be kind of happy and fun. And yeah, you're going to feel good about. Um, whereas I think that Nana, the manga is very, very, very intentionally taking as like part of its core, this thing that it has existed through a number of works that have uh, talked sometimes obliquely about queerness. Um, and this is doing it at the same time that it is going to sometimes more explicitly talk about it. Um, it, it is taking this core premise of the, the ambiguity of the word love that you can say love for a friend, but it could also mean, you know, a girlfriend, you know, a romantic love. Uh, there, there's different forms of love and that word can be ambiguous. And that's something that's been used by things like Ray Earth. But now Nana is going to specifically talk about how love itself, the, the love that you feel for people can itself be a nebulous thing. That The lines between, and th this is true for, for uh, Nana and Hachi, but this is also at times true for yes. Nana and Ren. This is true for Nana and Yasu. This is true for, um, you know, uh, Shoji and Hachi. Ha yeah. Shoji it and Hachi for, for Hachi and Nobu for Hachi and Takumi, uh, yeah. of like, where's that line between friendship and, and love, which also really hits for me as somebody who, who is demisexual and doesn't really understand, uh, sexual desire outside of friendship, uh, like outside of deep emotional connections that you've already built up. Um, but like th this is a, I think a core theme of Nana is that Absolutely. like ambiguity, the way that things move, the way that things will also kind of slide into family. Like the, the way that Shin slides into being this, uh, son, son and, figure. and yeah, Hachi becoming the surrogate mother. Um, the way that like, uh, people are you know, responding to each other's needs. Yes. And, like, the, the way that Nana might slide into being some sort of parent in ways to, to people, but is also actively resisting it because of her trauma. Um, the way that, that Yasu often slides into this fatherly or at least big brother figure, the way that Takumi does that, but often in like a, um, will be more manipulative about it, I think, than Yasu. But there's a lot of parallels drawn between Yasu and, and Takumi. Um, and I think part of the core difference there. Because again, the, the series is also focused on like uh, these two forms of love: the the love where you are like happy to see someone flourish, even if you get nothing in return. Yeah. Uh, Yasu is good at this love. Yeah, His uh, Hachi Hachi is often good at this love, although she dabbles in possessiveness. Um, Nana is possessive. Um, yes. Takumi is possessive. Um, There's also a lot of parallels between Nana and Takumi. Which is, I think, a key. Yeah. The paralleling is like a key structuring device in the characterization and the narrative. Yeah. Um, and like and especially in a way in that uh, it, it fully, I think, recognizes Takumi's possessiveness as like a, a destructive or, or abusive thing. Uh, but then 
with other characters, it complicates that idea. It, uh, it does not, I think, believe that possessiveness is in itself a completely, um, like, invalid form of love. Um, but that it does need to be tempered with a certain amount of uh, that other side, that, like, more altruistic side. Um, yeah, Yasu's, like, um, distancing and his, like... Um, coldness um, in decision making towards like other people in his relationships um, is like a strong parallel, but, but Yasu is like fundamentally motivated by like a deep concern, altruism and and love for other people. Uh, Um, But Yasu is also sometimes the, I think in a way that it is portrayed as being most like as being better than what Takumi is doing, but that Yasu is compared to like a monk, like this ascetic figure of like enabling or representing too, too like too much of that altruism without any desire to, uh, that sometimes somebody does want to just be possessed or to be wanted in that way that like Nana sometimes is wanting that from Yasu and Yasu won't give it because he has to maintain this like altruistic uh, approach to love so um, yasu is like self-effacing as like he's punishing himself this is a very like submerged like narrative uh but like he's punishing himself for like his privilege um when like these people that he loves were like orphaned and like impoverished and stuff and he grew up like rich and with a loving family and he like feels like deep guilt over this and is like punishing himself by like self-effacement but he also like he loves the like he's like motivated by this like foundational sense of love um and then overlaid on that he has these like strong rigid convictions about like um ethics and relationships that like cause him to do like um Ironically, like he caused him to do like extreme things that are like, yeah, um, borderline like inhumane. Um, um but, yeah, anyway, and, well, and it, it's interesting too because then the the seeming like happy relationship that he ends up in is with uh Miu, and there, there's specifically the like. I think some of the way that that stuff plays out is interesting because part of what, what Miu realizes is that she has to give to Yasu a certain amount of like, I want you in a way that she, she's like uh, hesitant to do at first, but also part of what makes the relationship work is this thing that she talks about of like, the reason why I feel comfortable with this is uh, I feel uncomfortable with like, you know, probably we we see like that she self harms and has uh you know she's familiar with like panic attacks and hyperventilation and stuff uh so she probably has some sort of we don't get our backstory from what exists but um you know she has this like uh, a love that's like fiery and passionate scares me too much and the fact that i'm aware that you kind of like you looked at the situation and you're like i think i need to just be taken because that's what's going to help nana in this moment is to like remove myself and uh looking logically the the best partner for me is Mew. that's like comfortable to me (laughs) 
<laughs> the person yeah, who because I also it. think this way yeah. and like need this. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this is like a sturdy like conviction. Yeah. And I want like that that certainty. Uh, um, and that like reliability. Yeah. They understand each other, basically. Yeah. Whereas I think you know, all of this, there's so many like parallels or, or ways that you can draw connections to other stuff. Like, uh, one of the, the uniting things with, uh, Nana and Hachi is that I think both of them do want like very emotional, passionate love. Um, and that's like something that they, they can give to each other. But, uh, I think another running undercurrent of this is the way that like, um, this like heteronormative idea of sexuality, uh, continues to like limit their ability to fully recognize that, um, uh, or commit to that because, um, I think I would say that this is a story of, uh, two closeted bisexual women <laughs> who, yeah. who love each other, um, but haven't like consummated that. Um, and some yeah. of it is that like, you know, we get, uh, Hachi, seeing Nana for the first time and blushing about how hot she is. Uh, we see how flustered she gets when Nana gives her a kiss as thanks for finding Shin um, as kind of this like, haha, like, you know, Nana kind of uses uh, that sexuality and that recognition that, that women are attracted to her um, in a way that sometimes playing, like she plays it up, but also seems to enjoy it. Um we see explicitly uh, Hachi start to fantasize about what sex with Nana would be like, thinking about Nana and Misato having sex and then being like, oh, clearly what I need is a boyfriend. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to find a guy. That's what I need. If I'm if I'm thinking about having sex with women, uh, clearly I, uh, me I'm just a horny woman, for men. Yeah, I need to find a man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did just destroy my previous relationship by being really obsessed with this woman. Uh, but I do need to find a man and, and right. not the woman that I've like developed a strong, uh, you know, obsession and, and attachment to. Um, so I, I do think it's like very intentional about the ways that, uh, that they like both of them struggle portraying with, that. Yeah. How they're, yeah. How it's like repressing. Yeah. And also that I think, um, like, I think we see from Hachi more, uh, homosexual desires in addition to like, I would say that both Hachi and, uh, Nana enter into like a homo romantic relationship. Um, I think they are romantic with each other, even though they're not sexual. Th these are different, like, divisions of talking about relationships that exist in certain queer communities, uh, where there's, like, sexual versus romantic versus, you know, uh, various other things. Um, and so, like, I think that they are romantic with each other. They're not sexual with each other. And some of it is that... Um, I don't think that Nana shows as much homosexual like attraction. Um, she does like, I think enjoy having people attracted to her. Uh, but I think we see a little bit less of that. And maybe some of it is just her fixation in this moment on Ren. Uh, she doesn't really seem as much as she will play up wanting to get attention from Yasu or other people. Um, and like wanting to get sexual attention from Yasu and other people. Um, we don't really see her, like actually being 
uh, sexually unfaithful, I guess, uh, to Ren throughout this. Um, which I think is significant that like she does have this uh, even as she's like having all these other romantic uh, attachments to other people um, and does like flirt and want sexual attention. um, I don't think she ever commits to it. Uh, She does seem like she does seem committed to Ren sexually. Um, They have a, um, how should I put this? Um, They have like, both of the nanas have like dimensions of um actualizing like sexual like interaction with other women and mm-hmm. repressing uh and re- like repressing it um but i think it's inverted um where hachi is like more readily uh, it's, it seems to be more readily perceiving um, this like sexual attraction um, internally, uh, but like not acting on it um, and being like trepidatious um, and kind of like repressing in in, the, in that way. Um, whereas Nana O is like much more free. Um, like she, I I think it's important that she says at multiple times like insists that she doesn't have sex with women and that she's like not attracted to women or whatever. Um, they're like various forms of, of that insistence. Um, but like, so I take that seriously. Um, but at the same time, like we see her like actually like kissing other women and indulging in this, like, um, this like nigh sexual or sexual like contact. Um, and uh, like, even as she's like kind of maintaining this, like, Oh, well, you know, I'm not actually like interested in women. So you could read this as like an inverted um, like relationship between like, you know, the like dimensions of actualization and, and repression where like, yeah. Hachi is like perceiving it, but then not acting on it. And then perhaps not at O is like acting on it and then not acknowledging it or perceiving it. Yeah. Um, it seems to be like constructed that way at least. Um, I also think that the, a lot of what's happening at the end is pointing towards, uh, a, a growing recognition in like the future that, um, even if, even if it's not, uh, explicit like i don't think the the recognition that we see in the future is explicitly sexual but i think there's a more explicit recognition from both uh nana and hachi of like this romantic desire that they have to be together um there's this more explicit like uh you know if nana comes back i'm going to leave takumi or right. uh that you know, nana linked. being like i cannot live without hachi anymore i like i want to go back that like yeah they're they're I think there's like a, and th- this is a thing that uh, comes up with, uh, I forget the exact line, but Nana says something about like, you know, people say when you lose something, that's when you like recognize uh, how important it was to you. But that I think it's actually like when you finally see again, um, when you, when you see that like thing that you lost again, that's when it like really hits. Um, 
and this gets paralleled with with Ren a lot, uh, but I think is also being built up with a, a you know eventual reunion in the future reunion um, as well, where uh, they're recognizing it. But I think it is setting up that like when that reunion happens, they will recognize even more how much they missed each other, um, even beyond the the uh, recognition they currently have. So, yeah. Um, I agree. I, I think that's where the arc seems to be going. Um, though, like, this prolonged um, separation is, like, is, like, the key narrative element um, that's, like, uh, prefacing this, like, final arc. So this like long yeah. separation of Nana from like Hachi, um, and also like Nana being on her own, um, I think those are the two like key components um, that are like setting the stage for like for the final movement um, of like the narrative and the characters. Um, that both of these things are like um, I, I want to use the word necessary. Um, like within the logic of, of the narrative and what's happening, that this is yeah. like a necessary um, thing for like uh, realizations on, on both sides um, in order to like allow for this possibility to finally like come into being. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, um, if people don't like, like the the fact that this is not um, realized um, in the manga, um, I guess the only thing that I think about that is like, why can't this type of relationship exist? Yeah, and like, why can't this type of relationship be portrayed? Yeah, um, the. Like this is the thing I think I tweeted on unlocked, but like, uh, I understand the importance of seeing representation of like, uh, of like, explicit homosexual relationships. Um, I also have talked on many podcasts about like some of the resistance I have to like a uh, uh, purely like representational uh, read of things that like the the value of things is to represent the uh, these Id- identities and if you do that it's good because I think that's very easy to for things like Disney to co-opt. Um, I think that uh, it's more important to have things that are actually like deeply talking about queerness um rather than necessarily just having the explicit representation in terms of like the first queer you know the first gay disney character or whatever um and i'm obviously setting up like a a wider binary that i think sort of exists for what a lot of people are actually calling for Um, it's not like it's not black and it's not either or necessarily but like yes yeah uh but i Uh, think it's like the the thing that i tweeted unlocked is uh, this is girls' love because the entire point of the manga is the love between these two girls. Right. Um, you and just have to. It's about the see... ambiguity of love. It that and that love, the like difficulty of pinning down exactly what that is. But it is about love between two girls. 
Yes. Um, also, I cannot stress this enough. They have the same wedding rings. <laughs> yeah. I know that it's like Takumi gets the ring and then Ren is like, uh, what's that ring? But also Ren like seems to really understand the feelings that Nana has for Hachi. Um, again, in ways that sometimes seems to be, he is perceiving it more than Nana is, um, at times. I think he is intentionally making a choice to be like, what's going to be important. What I want to do, what I think is important to do is to get Nana, the ring that is the same ring that Hachi has so that they can have the same ring. Um, (laughs) yeah. And at, at many points he is like, um, acknowledging and and also like encouraging um the like or or se- seemingly at least to my recollection like acknowledging and encouraging the like romantic dimension um yeah or like the um the romantic component of like the relationship between Hachi and Nana um so i i i agree with you <laughs> um yeah. i think Rand is perceiving this uh, in the way that, like, he often is perceiving um, the, like, underlying um, motivations and des- desires of um, the people around him. Um, yeah. there, There's so much that we can talk about. I feel like we've hit on a lot of things. I don't know if there's other big things you want to you wanna get into. No, um, I mean, we're going to do the Nana podcast now. So. Yeah. It's going that's to happen. Where we're gonna, that's where we're going to do all of this. Um, yeah. Because there's just way too much um, to, like, even just, um, you can't just sit down and talk about the whole, like, manga in the level yeah. of detail that that we, we would. Um, yeah. And the, the level of detail episode. that it deserves. And I, I'm glad that I finally got someone to read Nana who I can now con into doing a Nana podcast with me. Yeah. No, it's there's there's no there's no cons. Um, yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm gladly uh, I'm I'm signing up for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it whenever we do it. Yeah, we we will do the anime, and that's going to give us a. We'll still have a lot of the stuff to talk about. Uh, the anime is fairly faithful to the the manga. I think we'll have some interesting things to talk about differences. Um, I think then also when we do the the manga podcast that will happen someday, um, I think there'll be enough time that it'll, it'll be happy to like return and really talk about the manga. Um, so yeah, because like, I, I think when we do the on... anime, I don't want to. I don't want to talk. A, a bunch of like i want to focus on the anime um i just want to read the manga while i do it so that i can be more aware of differences um so yeah sounds good um Uh, on that note do you want to go to the emails yeah this is going to be a four-hour podcast (laughs) um i told you yeah so uh first email comes in from m uh, they say, and I'm not, I'm going to try and do this in my, my best voice to really capture, uh, this email that they sent to, to, this is the most I've ever been hurt by an email that someone sent me. Um, they say that they sent this out of love, but <laughs> I was, I was wondering about that reading yeah. this email, but, um, so I did not know, I didn't know that this is the first comic with, with lesbian tension. <laughs> well, that's don't... pretty, 
Let me okay. read it. Let me go read ahead. It. Go ahead. Yeah. I heard about this comic from a friend, but it seems so Yuri bait. It's been running for like 50 years and their girls aren't even together yet. Are you serious? Do you think it gets away with that because it's the first comic with Yuri tension? Or is there another reason? Anyway, I think it's weird for a comic for Sapphix. Uh, important note here, spaces between each letter in Sapphix. Uh, anyway, I think it's weird for a comic for Sapphix. There's so many hot guys. Takami might be a little intense for me, but I love Shoji. He's trying so hard. <laughs> what do you think? the significance of uh is of the zero in apartment 707 is it ren is he the zero thanks i love ghost dreamers <laughs> um i mean that is a good question uh when when uh m sent this to me i just uh texted them fuck off or something like that so <laughs> <laughs> uh, um i i laughed i yeah. was like not knowing him, I was like, oh, this this seems like a little hostile, but um, <laughs> I still laughed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't think that the zero is Ren, but sure. <laughs> yeah, that's we'll just say it is. Yeah. It's Lithium um, Flower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh... So, email from Ina. Uh, she writes in, I'm just going to read the full thing because this is our self-indulgent end-of-the-year podcast. So, uh, we can read all the, the, the praise here. Uh, so, Ina says, Hey, what's up, Ghost Divers? This is Ina. Damn, look at that. The close of another year of the universe's most explosively perfect piece of human production. Uh, I do think it's fun that you guys do the New Year special. It feels festive and commemorative to have a separate thing just for it. And I do sometimes miss the old question bucket vibe of stepping into other kinds of media than anime. Um, I was truly drowned by life in the reading for my own podcast this week. By the way, Ina started a podcast. Uh, people can check it out. Let me... I'll, I'll try to find the... Maybe I'll like do a little link in the, the episode description so people can find it. Um... If you want to check that out, I'll, I'll give you some free promo here, uh, Ina. Anyway, um, yeah, she says, uh, I was truly drowned by life and the reading for my own podcast this week, so I haven't picked up Nana where I last left off, but I'm thinking of starting over, uh, question mark. And maybe by the time this episode comes out, I'll have most of it down. Uh, is that true, Ina? Let us know. I mean, we're is, recording a, this like two days before it comes two or three days before it comes out. It's a um, lot. You should read it, but, but it is a lot. So just don't, yeah. um, you know, give yourself time. Yeah. You know? Um, speaking of it's not a time here are some cues meaning questions. Uh, first one, please fan cast a Nana movie, but with characters from other media instead of real actors. Um, Bjarcher is talking to me. We've already covered that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we're definitely taking this in a different direction. Um, um, I mean, we can do other things. I just no, no, no. This is this is good. Ah, jeez. Um. Uh, um. um Osaki Nana will be played by me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 We we're other media. Yeah, <laughs> we are other media, technically. Um, yeah. Who are we going to do for Hachi? Um, Shin will be Jacuzzi Splat. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm feeling this. Um, yeah. Hachi will be... I'm just going to use, like, because it's top of mind. I'm going to use the other anime that we've done. Um, Hachi will be uh, Hikaru from Rear. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, then, uh, let's see. Uh, Yasu will be played by uh, Buddha. <laughs> just like, just Buddha. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, from from the re- from Buddhism, the religion Buddhism. Oh yeah, that's me- that's media. Yeah, I mean, there, there's like books. Buddha the movie. The the uh, Tezuka, the Tezuka manga, Buddha. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That works. Okay. Um, Nobu. Nobu, um, (laughs) um, Nobu should be, uh, God damn it. Nobu is like Puss in Boots from the Shrek franchise. Um, uh, Naoki is gacked. Just the musician gacked. Okay. I totally forgot. I was going to do a thing. We'll do this at the end. We'll do this at the, th- the end. I, I had a, th- a thing I was going to do. Um, I'll have to like find it, but we'll do it. I'm going to do it. Um, people will know when we get there. I'm, I'm remembering in my head. Um, who, who else? I'm missing Ren. Yeah, we need someone. I mean, we could just do... Wh- what if we do... Because the whole, like, um, Ren vibe is, uh, it's not Johnny Rotten. Who's the? Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. I was going to say Sid Vicious, the man from the Sex Pistols, but what if it is uh, Sid and Nancy, the movie, Sid Vicious? Okay. Yeah, that that works. Yeah. Who, uh, I'm trying to remember who played um, in, in Sid and Nancy. Um, I remember this actor, like, this is Gary Oldman. I'm like, God, Ren is Gary Oldman as Sid Vicious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I can, I can accept that. Not, have you seen, uh, Sid and Nancy? I actually have not. Okay. Um, it's fun. I mean, it comes up multiple times in Nana. (laughs) Ren, Ren, Ren is Anthony Bourdain. (laughs) <laughs> i i just thought about uh how anthony bourdain died and i had a very uh like i laughed in a bad way oh god <laughs> That's why i coughed um, um i didn't choose because they're both dead i just you know yeah i just felt right um all right so we're, we're going down a bad road here on this yeah. one um question number we, two yeah <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry, Ina. Question number two: um, Where do members of the Nana cast fall on chili regarding beans versus no beans? There, there is a right answer, apparently. Um. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Uh, I'm just trying to think of which person doesn't want beans. 
Yeah. Who who believes in the all meat chili? Takumi. No, so Takumi has that thing where uh he's like no beans in the chili, like the authentic, just like uh chili con carne. That's like how you have to eat it. Uh Takumi's but actually, like, oh yeah. This is the chili I grew up eating like the microwave chili that had no beans. So now I always no, eat beans. He he grew up eating the microwave chili that's only beans. There's no oh, meat in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and he's so like, he's often like yeah, he's often like <laughs> no beans. Uh like chili con carne like you need the authentic like meat only, no beans in it. He's just um, like shouting out in his sleep, no beans. Yeah, Hatch, and then like, what the and fuck? then and then like Naoki's like in the you know in the, the cafeteria being like ah so you got the chili with beans huh <laughs> you you got the three bean no meat chili huh this is like um, t- 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 Takumi's like true like you know this is his like one emotion it's like no beans yeah um I think all the rest are everyone's I, beans except Takumi. Yeah, I think I think when Nana makes chili, she doesn't put beans in it, but she's not like against beans. But like, yeah, yeah she just oversalts it, and she only she just puts meat in. Mm, okay. And then Nana's like, or you know, Hachi is like, uh, you know, you should be getting some like beans in. You should be like mixing up the protein a little bit, getting a little bit more of like the the fiber and stuff from that. Uh, sure. Also, a little bit less you know salt i i just have a i've got a i have a hard time connecting with um the no beans mindset so like it's hard for me to yeah like think about which of the characters would would think that way because i just can't connect to it um like why wouldn't you have beans yeah i i don't i think shin doesn't know that chili has beans in it, but it is pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. Shin's like, yeah, in Sweden, we don't have beans. I've never yeah. seen that. I've never seen beans before. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, what is beans? And she's like, oh, Shin. They should have taught uh, you about beans. I think we've done the best we can with beans versus <laughs> no beans. <laughs> Really, it's Takumi. Takumi is the only one who's like, don't put beans in my chili, even though his favorite is the beans only chili. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone's like, Takumi, you're sick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If members of the Nana cast could have a meal with any dead person, who would they pick? Um, Uh, Nana O, Vivian Westwood. Yeah. Um,. Ren, probably Sid Vicious. Yeah. Um, Hachi. Uh, probably like Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> no, I th- I think it would. Be I already like... I already I already did enough with that one. I think it would be, like, Ozu or something. Like, uh, a small, like, undercurrent of this is that Hachi loves movies. It comes up very rarely, but, like, 
Uh, she keeps like it, it's just like a hobby in the background is that she loves watching movies uh, throughout yeah. all of this. It gets mentioned in the beginning and it just kind of like it doesn't keep coming up until like eventually like she's writing out her planner and it's like here's when like I want to see this movie in theater. I think she would love to to meet a dead director like Ozu or something. Yeah, um, Yasu Buddha. Yeah. Um, um, Nobu. or Jesus Christ. I think Yasu would also yeah. like meeting Jesus Christ. Yeah, he would for sure. Um, Nobu, I don't know. Um, uh, it doesn't, yeah, I, I don't know who Nobu, well, pff, Ren. Yeah, Ren. After That's, Ren's dead. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Ren. Um, Takumi wants his dad to be dead and then to meet his da- dead dad and say, fuck you, dad. Beat him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can maybe hit, like, Shin and Layla. Um, yeah. Who, who would Shin want to meet? Uh, I mean, this is... I don't, I'm not saying this to be cool, but like <laughs> Shin wants to meet his dead mom and yeah. Layla wants to meet her dead dad. I mean, right? Yeah. That's gotta, that's, that's like what it is. So I laughed because I, I, I thought, cause I thought about the whole, so a thing with, uh, so usually Layla is, is Reira in the, the manga, um, because that's like the would be the the Japanese, um, right. you know, version of Layla. But she is actually named after the the Eric Clapton song, Layla. Um, you thought Eric Clapton was dead for a second. Well, no, I I knew that Eric Clapton was alive, but I I briefly thought of Eric Clapton, and then I remembered Eric Clapton's dead son, and that's why. I <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mostly because. Uh, like it's a it's a sad song, but there's the um, Phoebe Bridgers song. Uh, do you know the Phoebe Bridgers song? That's like um, how they hate Stairway to Heaven, but it is sad that his his like son died or whatever. Um, and I don't think it's supposed to be a funny line, but it makes me laugh all the time. <laughs> all, all I know is um, I can't remember the band. I think, but I think the band is Anal Cunt, and they have. Uh, I don't know why I know this because I've never actually listened to this band, but they have a, a song that's like, uh, I might just be completely misremembering and conflating something, but it's like, Eric Clapton, I'm sorry, you're like fucking kid died. Like your dumb kid died or something. Yeah. Uh, it's not Stairway to Heaven. It's uh, Tears in Heaven. Oh, um, yeah. 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 Um. Um. Yeah, I think these. I think those are the answers. Yeah, the, I mean, the that's Phoebe, the true. The answers. Phoebe Bridgers. I found the lyrics is because uh, it's it's in this. L- let me just like do the verse before because I think it will further emphasize like why this makes me laugh when it, whenever it comes up in the song. Uh, so the verse before. Uh, you couldn't have, you couldn't have stuck your tongue down the throat of somebody who loves you more. So I will wait for the next time you want me, like a uh, uh like a dog with a bird at your door. We hate tears in heaven, but it's sad that his baby died, and we fought about John Lennon until I cried, and then I went to bed upset. 
And I just, like, the juxtaposition of, like, so I'll wait for the next time you want me, like a dog with a bird at your door. We hate tears in heaven, but it's sad that his baby died. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, a real turn there. <laughs> yeah, it, it always makes me laugh. In the in the way that, like, the, the song is um, Moon Song, which I think is a deeply sad song. Um, I, I like the song a lot, but, yeah, I do just laugh about that. Um, it feels real. It's just, like, a thing that you would talk about sometimes is that you hate that song, but it is sad that it's Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I feel like I'm coming off as a real uh, jerk. <laughs> so. No, I don't think so. I mean, what? I, like, it's Sunday. Like, yeah. It happened. We're sorry about it, but um, we to hate conclude. To conclude, Ina says, as always, thank you sin- sincerely for the work you put into the show. It is genuinely always very good. I hope that we all have a sick year. Um, I I hope that I don't have a year where I am sick, which is what this past year has been. But <laughs> um, Joao writes in, uh, he says, uh, what is Nana is Nana real. Well, let you, um, I'm gonna let you take this one. Um, Nana is Nana is whatever you want it to be, Joe. Um, and it's as, it's as real as you want it to be too. Um, and if, if you if you ever if you're worried about anything Nana related, you just send us an email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yes, is the answer. Uh, next question, which moments in Nana do you think Odin has shown up uh, from nowhere and meddled in human affairs? Um, well, when Blast comes on the radio and a black cat runs across the overpass while Ren is driving underneath it and yeah. distracts him like just enough to... I mean, I don't, I don't know what the... like. Oh, Odin gave Ren the the boon of his his magical hands that uh, plays bass and and guitar so good, um, yeah. and then in that moment takes it away. Yeah, or takes away his life, uh, and he preserves the hands. He offers yeah. a choice to Ren in that moment, um, and Ren chooses death over his hands. Yeah, you're you're the expert on the <clears throat> Norse mythology, so. Um, this next one, I want to, I want to just like read through the, the email up until this point, because I think, uh, really captures the like insistency. Uh, Uh what is Nana? Is Nana real? Which moments in Nana do you think Odin has shown up from nowhere and meddled in human affairs? How can we be free from Nana? Uh, you'll be free (laughs) from Nana when I die. (laughs) And I, I stopped talking about it. (laughs) <laughs> but then maybe Connor will carry on. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll, I'll carry on the, the legacy. Yeah. Um, And then, which are Nana's Pokemon teams? Um, well, I know Dude. Hachi has um, Meowkle. <laughs> that's, that's her lead. Hachi yeah. only has one po- well, one Pokemon. It's Meowkle, and she loves it very much. Actually, no, that's um, that's not an O. Hachi Hachi caught them all, and yeah. uh, well, I don't know. Maybe not an O caught them all. I think not. I th- 
I think like, like won the Pokemon League. And like, I I think that like when Hachi's just sitting like a kept woman in the Shiragane apartment, I think she just plays a bunch of Pokemon and does catch them all. Um but I think she cares a lot about catching the little guys and not about like building a team comp, you know? Yeah. Um AKA she plays Pokemon the right way. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't necessarily know her team. Um I do think that there are like I don't I don't think Nana plays games enough to like really build a team, but I think there are like a few Pokemon that Nana thinks are cool and then Hachi like prizes them because of that. Like, um what is it? Uh the So I think Nana really likes like Pangoro. Um and then Hachi's like, well, Pancham's like cuter. Like I like mm. Pancham. You yeah. know? Um I feel like there's also some like vaguely goth ones that that Nana would enjoy. Um, oh yeah, yeah, she'd be going like dark and poison type. Yeah. Um, but I think Nana would like. Um, gosh, what is it? Cat turn. Cat turn yeah. feels like a Nana O Pokemon. Oh yeah, that's a throwback one. I think that's a Ruby. It's like Gen three. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Um, next question. Nana does also appreciate, like, I, I think it's just like a classic, like Arcanine or something, but does like in that attachment to Hachi, like some like cute dog Pokemon. Mm. Um, but I could, I could see it or it would probably be Growlithe, not, not, uh, Arcanine, but, um, yeah, she doesn't evolve it. Yeah, Growlithe has, like, a, a strong, like, loyal vibe to me, just in the, like, appearance, in a, a way that I think um, Nana would that appreciate, so. Um, another email from Ina, she says, uh, the title of the email is, I thought of another one, and it's, can either Nana do the nene? Um... It's embarrassing, but I don't actually know what the Nene looks like. Um, just, just yeah, just go to Wikipedia. There's a GIF of a man doing the Nene. Awesome. Um, so the 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 thing about the Nene, so it was like based on a a nine, 90s sitcom, I think. Um, but like its popularity didn't really happen until like the the you know, early 2010s, I think. Um, that's when, like, Drop That Nene uh, comes out. Uh, then, like, Watch Me Whip Nene. Uh, that was, like, 2015. Um, so, I don't I don't think that they can do the Nene because from what we see in the manga, I don't think that the Nene exists. Mm. There you go. Get out of non-technicality. Yeah. Love it. But, but once it does, I think they, I think both of them could do it. I don't know if they do do yeah. it, but I think both of them could. Yeah, I, it seems pretty straight straightforward. Yeah. Um, and then uh, last minute under the wire, um, I I did guilt M into sending a real email, 
nice. because they they did just send one that hurt me. So um, they they write in and say. I already did a podcast with Neve about Nana, so I said all I have to say about the manga. But I do have one question for all. Uh, or, so I do have one question for all of this after sitting with it for a few months. <coughs> uh, Neve, you know some, or you somehow get the keys to the kingdom. What's the direction you want Nana to go in? If scope of story is no object, not just oh they get together because obviously I just want to hear a pitch for some ideas that you think. Uh, they should explore in various arcs as it continues on and reaches some distant conclusion. Sorry for the open-ended question. Keep dreaming. Still a little reference to that first email. Um, (laughs) But a a nicer part of it. Anyway, um, so obviously, like, I think that um, volume 21 does feel like the start of something new. If you read the uncollected um, volumes as well, it's kind of this, like, even after death, like life goes on, like they all come together to support Nana, but then she just like, you do still have to go to work the next day or maybe not the next day, but like someday you have to go back to work. Um, I think if I, if I was able to like pick up from where it is and control and direct things, uh, one, I think that the, you, you would kind of complete this arc where it would be jumping around between the, the like, quote unquote present and then the future. Um, and obviously, yeah, you, you would get some closing of the gap, but not a lot, but you, you would basically reach this point where you fully under, like you see Nana choose to run away. Um, you see like all of, I think the, the stresses of like blast, uh, blast, not really ever fully taking off and her kind of like, it being increasingly on her shoulders to like go it solo. Um, Cause we also see in the, the future that like blast is kind of broken up um, and all these pressures sort of built up and she, she decides to run away um, and she can't really face it anymore. She's like uh, so burdened with all of the like uh, grief from Ren's death, all of these stresses uh, people are, are trying to support her, but like, uh, failing in, in different ways, um, or even sometimes succeeding, but her being unable to accept it in that moment, getting paralleled with these moments of, uh, them moving towards the reuniting. And so you get the part where she runs away directly paralleled to they reunite. Um, like the, you know, the final volume has in the, the present Nana chooses to run away while, in the the future she chooses to go back to tokyo and um you know be be with hachi and they get together and uh this would be the the i think the like conclusion of the the main story here but in the spirit of of m's question here uh they want me to keep writing more because it's a huge success um we just can't we can't let this money go we got to keep it going um and so then i think it becomes about like they are in a place to uh, at least like commit to like, no, we want to be together. Like we want our relationship together. We have these like rings um, that match. Uh, We're going to like embrace this, this symbol of that and, you know, try to live together. Um, But then it increasingly become like it, the main focus of it from that point becomes the, the quote unquote future. Um, 
where it's them trying to like figure out how to actually make the relationship work um, in this way where like there's the ways that it worked in the past. Then there's the ways that they distance, they like built up these ideas of each other. Um, and now the like reality of being in a relationship is here. Um, and they are like more aware of the way that they had like this romantic connection and they are trying to embrace that, but are now having to like more directly confront the, the sexual component of it. And what does that mean? And what do we do with that? Um, also struggling with like, do we have relationships with other people or is Nada like going to become possessive around Hachi as well? Um, I would say also like the fallout of like Nana, like leaving. Yeah. Like Um, that's going to continue to like have like, that's going to persist in some form as like part of their something that they have to deal with. Um, and then I think periodically in this, uh, you then get flashbacks to little things of when Nana was gone, like, what was she doing in London? What was happening? Um, but I, I think the, like, at that point, the main focus has switched to, like, their relationship in the present, and then the flashbacks are, like, coloring that or, um, helping fill in things because, you know, despite the fact that they are trying to make it work, I think Nana is going to continue to be a person who's sort of closed off. And so a lot of it is like Hachi not really knowing what Nana was up to and a lot of that stuff getting revealed slowly uh, and sometimes revealed to the the audience and not Hachi. And then other times Hachi learns it and things like that. Um, and so I think that would become the like the, the bigger focus is like you finally get all of this like slow burn girls love build up where they finally get together and they decide to try and make a relationship work. And then you just have to like deal with what that means to like make a relationship work um, in a way that is like going to, I think have more of the happy moments that you see early on in the volumes because they're together and like embracing it. But it is also going to like show the ways that um, in some ways they were able to like idealize their previous relationship because of mm-hmm. the ways that they were, they were sort of by circumstance forced apart. Um, and now that they are like more intentionally trying to stay together, they have to like confront the ways that there are things there are ways that like Nana and Hachi have hurt each other and will hurt each other. And they have to like deal with that um, as now a couple. So that's what I would do. Um, also just to like get some other, um, I think we get, uh, like, uh, Nobu and Yuri, I think, uh, we get like a certain amount of dissolution of their, their relationship. Um, I don't think they stay together. Um, but in a way, yeah, but in a way where I don't think there's like super hard feelings about it, but we kind of see like how some of that stuff disintegrates. Um, and uh, specifically how some of it disintegrates around like Nobu having these unresolved feelings for Hachi that then in the present he's trying to deal with now that like Hachi and Nana are together. Um, we get, uh, I think we get like more stuff going on between uh, Takumi, Layla, and then also Shin. Like the, that becomes sort of the, the relationship focus there. Um while there's also like dealing with the divorce and stuff. Um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Naoki the, becomes well, an actual character that people care about. Yeah, uh, Naoki. We need a, we yeah. need we need more Naoki. Yeah. Um, we it's should, just a uh, nothing character in them. It's so funny because there's so many like good characters. They introduce like Mew and Yuri, and you're like, who's this? And then they like develop into full characters who I care a lot about. And then like sometimes I just forget Naoki's name. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he has his own bonus chapter, like barely has anything to do with him. Yeah. Um, um, sad. Sad for Naoki. Yeah. I think like some of it is just like developing him and i don't think he gets like romantically entangled with other main character like i think he just starts getting like other characters get introduced that he becomes like entangled with and or, like trap breaks to... up and he goes on to like be the like the only one who's like still like in music he has like a yeah. really good like career as like a solo artist or something yeah <laughs> and like uh you know, it is having like these relationships as well. But then that I think a lot of the, the focus of the relationships is the way that like, um, I think sometimes in the, the current manga, he's like, can be a little bit, uh, like childish or immature. And so it's him having to like grow in that way. Uh, that like he kind of like was a part of the band and all of this and like, uh, kind of took on the position of like the little kid in the band, like the, the little brother in the band or something. Um, and now that he's like solo and stuff, he has to like contend with, um, like almost this, like becoming more of an adult than he, he was like really focused on at the time. Cause he was kind of just like under Takumi and would do what Takumi said and stuff. Uh, and he has to like figure out how to break from that and become more of his own person. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's good. Um, maybe we'll do an even more fleshed out <coughs> um, fanfic when we do the Nana podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we'll like actually write it. Yeah, yeah, we should. Um, uh, but until then, uh, I think I think that's well, all we have. The, so there's one other thing that I need to do. Now you might not be able to hear me. I guess is the problem with this. Uh, uh-huh. but I want to send you. So you, I forget what band you said that you imagine trapness being. Oh, hailstorm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was like I, a really disappointed. Yeah. When we get to the anime, I think we can talk about how they're doing the music there. I don't actually want to, I, I like, I, the the anime is like the clearest like this is the the sound in my head um did you because i gave you a couple bands did you listen to like buck tick and um you know mouth miser and some of the okay we don't have to do all of this on the podcast um i do want to send uh let me just do like live action nana soundtrack let me see if i can find an example from the live action movie just to send you um so, uh, the one thing about the live action movie is that I think, um, the, yeah. Oh, this is not what I want. This is somebody covering it. Um, mm. let me do, uh, so one, I guess you could just Google this yourself where I can find it. Um, but so Naka, or yeah, Nakashima Mika 
um, is a, an actual musician who plays Nana in the live action. Um, and uh, she ends up doing, I'll send you glam, Glamorous Sky here. Um, I'm just going to start playing it in the, the background here. Um, there's, there's another uh, from Nana 2 that I think is better. Um, that feels more punk to me, but um, yeah. Um, you want me to go ahead and start listening? Yeah, you can go ahead and, and hit play. Okay. And then just give me reactions. I don't even know if you can hear me. I can hear you. Okay. Somehow it's it's fixed now. Because normally you can't hear me when you're listening to stuff. Okay. Um, I just have it playing now, so people are listening to it underneath us. But, um, okay. Yeah, this isn't too far off. I I think that the music in the anime feels a little bit more like punk inflected, um, but. Uh, Oh, I love Yasu in the live action. Yeah. Uh, different actors play some of the characters. The The person who plays Shin in the first movie uh, is entirely too old to be playing Shin. The person who plays Shin in the second movie is like, I can't believe you fucking found real life shit. <laughs> uh, um, that's hilarious. But So this is from the first movie, uh, the endless story. This is the, the Takumi. Or the the uh, trapness song. Okay. Um, so. Um, okay. Yeah. And this is this is from the concert scene, obviously. I'm, I'm sure you're watching the. Okay, yeah. So it's a little bit less like hard rock than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I was really imagining like when they were talking about power balance and stuff that it would be more of like a like a hailstorm type situation. Um, yeah. But uh, it's a little more like soft rock. Um, the the blast stuff is not. That's that's a little more in line with what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I just had one of the scariest moments in my entire podcast recording life, where my laptop crashed at the, uh, you know, four hour, yeah, four 18 hour, eighteen minute, minute mark. <laughs> Uh, I think I missed like a couple lines, like a couple things that I said. Uh, but I mean, it was in the part where we were just watching the, the, um, you know, live action songs. So, um, the demon Lord, um, almost got us. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anything important was missed, but we're just going to, we're doing end now. And we're going to say bye because I'm scared. <laughs> also, it's fucking late. I need to go to bed. Um, so thank you so much for joining us for this uh, long adventure. Uh, I, I hope 
you enjoyed us fully indulging ourselves on this episode. Uh, that's what the New Year special is for. Uh, if you want to write in to future episodes, you can write into ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. Uh, the question bucket for Kino's journey will be coming up fairly soon, like a month, I think. Uh, less than maybe. Um, and then we're doing IBO, which is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, write in. If you have questions about Nana, you are always welcome to write them into ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Now that I've been recruited, especially. Yeah. Um, thank you to the Export Audio Network for hosting us. People can go to exportaud.io, which will take you to the Patreon. Um, if you become a patron, uh, for $1, you get early access to a number of podcasts. Not this podcast because of logistics for question buckets in particular, um, but you do get early access to our podcast, Pondering Putan, uh, where we read a chapter of Cromartie every week, basically, uh, and then sometimes talk about it, but mostly it's just a hangout podcast and us doing weird bits that might only be funny to us. I don't know. Um you also get early access to Ornate Stairwells, which is a movie podcast that I do with my friend Autumn. Um, and then there's a number of other podcasts on the network that are great and you should go check out, but I'm not going to do the full pitch right now. Uh, other than to say, if you do $5, you get uh, exclusive access to Pop Town Funk uh, podcast where um, Autumn and Nora roll a random Funko Pop and have to watch something from that media franchise, uh, as well as... Um, so every month currently there are two episodes of comic uh, coffee and comic books uh, where Autumn and Rick uh, read comics and talk about them. Uh, if you enjoyed our Nana talk, they talk about things a bit different there, but you, you would enjoy that podcast. I think people listening to this. Um, and so uh, the free feed has uh, one episode a month uh, and then they get the second episode a month. You have to be a $5 patron. Uh, so that one's like a exclusive bonus episode. Um, so, uh, you can follow the podcast at ghost divers pod on Twitter or just at ghost divers on co-host. You can follow me at Fox Omnia on Twitter and co-host. Uh, where can people follow you, Connor? Uh, y'all can follow me at rebelays or on Twitter and co-host. Um, and we, we still don't have like an, a sign off for ghost divers. I don't know if I've, we've ever told the story on the podcast. The reason why we don't, um, I don't even know if I fully explain this to you. Uh, I think we did one where, so like towards the end of standalone complex, Bato shouts, Motoko! And, uh, I, I like did that on the podcast. It may have been a sign off thing that I did once. Um, and I was like, that would be a funny sign off if we ended every podcast by shouting Motoko. Um, and then like right after I had that idea, I started listening to great Gundam project where their sign off is they shout Amaro, like the, the start of the ending theme for 0079. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, it's too close. I, yeah. We can't do it. So uh, but maybe this one time. Do you want to join me this one time, Connor? We'll shout Motoko? Yes, I'd love to. Okay. Uh, you ready? Yeah. You gonna count it down? Uh, sure. Three, two, one. Motoko!
Okay, I'm recording now. Should we do time.is? I'm recording now too. And we'll do it at 20, uh, 26. Okay. The thing that is, if we. Early, but I think it's okay. If we did a little bit of countdown like we do with uh, Puton, I could probably like not even need to use time.is anymore for for this because we no longer have the the desyncing. There was this period of time where your audio, I had to like I forget if I had to slightly speed it up or slightly slow it down. But I had to like slightly adjust it okay. because otherwise we got out of sync. Um anyway. Yeah, if you want to do the countdown, that's that's totally fine. No, I think we can still do time.is. I like doing time.is <laughs> for ghost divers for some reason, but Okay. Tradition is important. Mhm. It's gotten us this far. Yeah, for sure. We made it to 2023 or almost. Yeah. Oh, it is my internet. I saw it go to red. Um, it's cuz we don't record Thursdays. I don't record any podcast Thursdays. I feel like my internet learns when I record and then gives me the good internet on those days. Wow. Yeah, this like this AI shit's getting really advanced. Yeah. You're you're you must be you must have a really um, good router. It's it's doing the like uh uh QoS except it's doing it week, like on a weekday basis. That's hardcore. Yeah. Um Anyway, hopefully I'll be fine. If you want to start, I'm good. If, yeah, if we'll, you want to fuck with it, that's no, we'll 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 just uh, power through. I think because I restarted everything, so okay. like I don't feel I don't feel like restarting anything is gonna help. Um, yeah. Well, let's do it then. All right, drink check. Um, do you do you want to go first because mine's gonna be so like fucking on point for what we're doing that I don't want you to feel like you have to follow that up. Okay. Yeah. You just, I don't think there, I don't think there's a win in this for me, but I'll just do it. I'll go first. Um, yeah. Regardless. Um, so I have water, uh, which uh, our listeners are probably very familiar with. Um, and I'm drinking it out of my, um, my blue cup, my tall blue cup that I've talked about before. Um, I can't remember w- when. Um, so you're just going to have to listen to, every episode of ghost divers and Puton, Um, if you want to know about it, uh, it's, it's very old though. Um, I also have some oolong tea that I made, uh, because I'm, uh, I drove a long way today. I'm a little bit tired. Uh, but I've already drank like three quarters of a pot of oolong tea. Um, so I feel pretty, feel pretty good now. Um, and, uh, that's in my, University of Miami Tervis Tumblr, uh, which uh, again, same same thing with the cup. I've talked yeah. about it before. I think it was Paranoia Agent um, when I talked about this. So yeah, go uh, go check it out. Learn all about my University of Miami Tumblr. Both of these cups are at least ten years old, probably more like fifteen uh, or or more than that. So shouldn't be drinking out of them, but I am. Um, yeah, Godspeed <laughs> with that. We all have microplastics in our, in our blood already. So you just gotta just lean into it. Yeah. Um, 
I guess I, I will go next. Um, unless you have more. Oh, no, no, I, I don't have anything more, so just feel free to show me up with your thematic drink check. Okay, so I, I have my waters. They're my normal water bottles, uh, but I'm pouring them into... So before we started, I actually drank a Dr. Pepper out of this, but I didn't think Dr. Pepper was very thematic, so it's already gone. Uh, but that was just to give me a little caffeine hit before we go. Uh, but I drank it out of uh, a mug that I got from the uh, Yazawa Eye exhibition, um... Uh, the like all time best special exhibition, um, and it's the the band one. Um, so on one side there's uh, Hachi, and then like the the little dinosaur thing that shows up in. I think there's like a it shows up in a bonus chapter of Nana, but it also shows up in some of her other manga. Um, and she's got like a tambourine because remember, do you need a tambourine player? Um, oh yeah. And then on yeah, the, yeah. the the other side is, yeah, the other side is um, Osaki Nana singing um and then it's uh people from other manga that she's done um as the rest of the band um so uh yeah but i'm pouring some water into it now and wow. then you didn't have to flex that hard with the pour the actually pouring it in yeah on the mic um and then the other thing that i'm drinking is i have multiple cans of asahi uh, which of course is the the thing that they're drinking when they meet for the first time on the the train. Uh, Hachi goes get, and gets a beer, um, and there's like a a great shot. It's also in the the anime of uh, Nana holding the Asahi can. Uh, you know, says super dry on it and everything. Uh, but instead of just drinking it out of the can, which would already be thematic enough, um, I also got from that same exhibition. Uh, you can get replicas of the two strawberry glasses. Um, and so I'm drinking it out of one of those. I'm pouring the Asahi in there and then drinking it out of the strawberry glass. Um, you, but you have to have both. You have to have two. Because if well, you just have one, it's 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 really sad. Yeah. Well, the other one, <laughs> the other one's safe because it would be sad if it broke. The, right. The, the real thing here, I forget if I've said this on a podcast or not, um, but like, I, I, so... I must have some sort of like uh, somewhat unexamined trauma around like glasses breaking, like uh, which like bowls, like ceramic things, like any time that something will like fall and shatter in the in the kitchen, like a, a glass or like a ceramic thing. Um, I have like an intense trauma response already uh, in a way that when like that time I shattered your mug at your house. Yeah, I I mean I Fuck. like <laughs> the the thing is like. If something breaks and it's not me, still the sound like will put me on edge for a second. Uh, but usually I'll be fine. If I break something though, that's when it's like very intense. Um, and now I have like these special glasses that were like hard to get from this exhibition because I, I didn't go to Japan to get these. I had to like order them through a website um, that like goes to the exhibition for you and, and uh, gets things. Um so there's only two of these and I, like they're not going to be easy to replace. Um they are glass. I'm just setting myself up to at some point break one of these and then have a trauma response. Um like an intense trauma response because it's something very special to me. So And it's like uh, loaded with all of the like yes. all, all the significance <laughs> from the manga too. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm yeah, You're I'm, setting yourself up with that one. Yeah, I'm setting myself up for failure here. But um 
I love them a lot. Um, I was going to, when we originally were planning to record, um, I was going to, instead of just pouring water into this mug, I was going to have, uh, Yolo'u, which is, uh, uh, like Yule ale is what it means, but it's a mix of, uh, basically like malt soda, like Malta, um, and then an orange soda. Oh yeah. So if you just get like Malta Goya or like Malta India or whatever, um, and you mix it with like, um, especially, uh. I find like the Haritos orange soda is a little bit uh, less sweet than some orange sodas. Cause when, when you have it in Iceland, um, I feel like their, their drinks are not quite as sweet as some of the, like the, the malt drink there is not nearly as sweet as like Malta is, but um, it's a lot harder to right. find the, the Icelandic ones, but. Um, right. Short, short drink check. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're still under 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, here's what I'll say about the, about the strawberry glass. Yeah. Um, I would say just because like, I, I don't want to leave your, like you concluded that you're, that you're going to like probably break it. I don't want to leave that unaddressed. I would say it is actually quite unlikely that you will break these. Uh, either one. Um, and I, I hope you consider like the majority of glasses in your house you have not broken. So there's yeah, no reason so, why. Some of my favorite ones I have broken, but also those are favorite in the way that I use every day. Um, I don't use these every single day because I'm a little bit more, I feel like I'm a little bit more like special with these ones. Yeah, um, you're, you're, you're not going to break these glasses. It's going to be fine. The thing is, I think in the fullness of my life, I might break these glasses. Um, I was telling this to like some friends previously, uh, and they're like, you're not going to do this. You're crazy. Um, but I think when one of them breaks, I might like get like something that's going to contain the shards of it and like put it in a box and then wait until the other one breaks and then like arrange them in a thing. Like in like a little like uh you know clear like uh impact resistant like plastic box or something arrange mm-hmm. them in the like little shattered heart thing just so that I like I still have them you know well you can you can like <laughs> solder them together and make like uh you know like a, a mosaic piece um if you ship Maybe. them to if you ship them to us Sarah will do it for you because she's she's actually really good at that. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. You have a like, you have a plan. It's all yeah. good. It's all gonna be good, no matter like, what happens. I, we're I think good. I we'll see if this actually happens in the moment that it breaks. But I I have this feeling of like when it breaks, I'm not going to throw it away because now it's still just like a part of what Nana is. Right. You know, like I'm yeah. gonna hold on to the broken pieces in some format, and people are gonna yeah. think I'm crazy for it. But I'm like, this is you know. This is no, what it is. That's really meaningful. Yeah. You, you like you keep the shards because it's like precious to you. And then yeah. like it's going to take on a new form, a mm. new like wholeness like later on. Yeah. Um, because anyway. you've like kept it and nurtured it. So shall we get it into <laughs> shall we get into the main podcast now? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, let's do it. <laughs>
I have to go pee though. Let's take a body break before we hit Nana. Same. Okay, perfect. I'm back, by the way. Uh, I'm back, but I do not have my headphones on, but I could faintly hear you talking. Mm. Okay, they're on now. Okay, cool. <sighs> All right. Um, it's very funny that we we watched some more banger anime, but we still just gave it to Crow High and um, Serial Experiments Lane. Or no, not uh, Lithium, Lithium Flower. Flower. Yeah. yeah uh, we did the, the right thing. <laughs> yeah. As we always do. I wonder if anything will ever unseat them. Um, it's going to be hard. I can't imagine. I feel like at some point, it's either may come a bit where we're just like dug into this is going to be the winner every year. <clears throat> Justifying it. Yeah. Or we will finally be like, oh, this has had so much of its like day in the sun. We, we got to give it to this other thing. And I don't know what it's going to be. I genuinely don't. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, we should get into to Nana. This is going to be hard doing synopsis. I was going to try and write out something, and I was just like, I I think I just kind of need to, to wing. I'll try my best to kind of hit, like, what the volumes are, um, but I is might do it, and you a, can just jump in. Is this going to be a four-hour podcast? I hope not. <laughs> we'll see. It's shaping up. It's shaping up to be. Yeah. We're at an hour and a half right now. Um. Shall we get into it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I find it very annoying how when I try to do the labels, it doesn't do it right anyway. Or it doesn't let me like type anything anymore. I don't know why. Um, anyway. So, Nana...